2: everybody, this is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Friday morning. You know what that means. I just received an email just moments ago from a listener. Uh, I didn't even have to say anything. She said, oh, it's my favorite day of the week. That's right. We begin this Friday as we do each and every Friday with...
1: The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank, ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Whatever questions you
2: have on any subject, I will do my best to answer them. Now, what can you ask questions about? Anything you want. You have questions about uh, what's happening in my family life, you're welcome to ask them. You have questions about what's happening in the news, you're welcome to ask them. Questions about radio, you're welcome to ask them. You want to know, um, you know, how bald Curtis Lewa really is, you're welcome to ask it. Whatever you have questions about, now is the time to ask anything and everything. Eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc The one thing I would ask you to try to stay away from Is, uh, trivia questions, just because that's lame. I mean, we've done, we do so many different trivia segments on this show. Do we really need trivia to sort of invade the sanctity of the Ask Frank anything hour? I don't think we do. But ultimately, you're the arbiter of what questions are. Uh, appropriate 800-848-WABC that's 800 848 coming up a little bit later we're going to talk with gerald salente he's always been one of my favorites and uh, he's been doing some great commentary on the ukraine situation in my opinion and uh, we'll get his take on the ukraine situation and a variety of other subjects coming up uh, around three thirty. we got denunciations coming up and a host of other issues but Whatever your questions, I'll do my best to answer them. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me begin with Ellen in New Brunswick. Hello, Ellen.
3: Hi, Frank. I'm your mugging, your mugging sender. Ah, Ellen. Oh, the
2: great Ellen. How are you? I'm so glad you called. Good. You rarely call.
3: I I know I do, because I have to sneak out of my house. My husband's a light sleeper. I'm sitting in the garage.
2: Well, it beats sneaking out of your house away from your husband to have an affair, I guess, right? There are worse things.
4: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just want to tell you, since we rarely talk, how wonderful, you know how great I think you are.
3: I mean, how talented you are, and, you know, as an interviewer, and how you pace your shows, and how you mix it up. Just Well, just, thank like, you. So far, I agree with every new, everything you said. <laughs> All right, here comes the tough question. I'm ready. I, I, know, I know you said that you think uh, April Fool's is, is silly, but I know you also said you like practical jokes. So, it's curious which was the best um, practical joke either that you've done or that someone's done to
4: you
2: um, so that's a good question I, you know, and so I'm not against april fools the The only reason i don't love doing an April Fool's joke is because it's so predictable i I, I prefer a random practical uh, a random practical joke. So I, what I like to do is if someone steps away from their computer and it's a coworker that, you know, will take this in good humor, you can do something in Microsoft Word that every time and in Outlook that every time they type a word, it changes to something else. So I, I had a coworker named Darren and I changed about 30 or 40 common words, um, to that to, to silly words and and he it was driving him crazy, so I think that was a lot of fun. It's also fun sometimes to um change the speed of someone's mouse which is which is kind of neat, so uh that stands out um in terms of practical jokes that people have done to me I really um i don't know the one that I mentioned uh yesterday where uh somebody told me that I wasn't getting paid uh because I didn't Oh that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's the only one that immediately comes to mind.
5: Okay, thank you.
2: Thank you, Ellen. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two 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 that's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Eddie is in
6: New Jersey. Hello, Eddie. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um putting aside all any prejudice you might have uh to uh Andrew Giuliani or any, anyone else, um could you list for me the four republican candidates for new york governor which can you list them in order of the ones that you think are most able to get elected in the general primary and the general election
2: the the ones that are best suited for the the most electable republicans
6: yeah and, and meaning in statewide in the general election yeah uh
2: i would say i would say uh number 1 harry wilson Uh, probably, uh, probably number two, Andrew Giuliani, number three, Lee Zeldin, and number four, Rob Astorino.
6: Can I put on my two cents? Yeah, sure. Yeah, because I would have thought that Giuliani, just by virtue of his last name, is the least electable.
2: All right, well, you know, that's not been my experience in terms of talking with rank and file uh, New Yorkers anecdotally. Now, he does have some Trump baggage and uh, Giuliani baggage. As Lee Zeldin does on the Trump front. But because Andrew doesn't have a voting record since he's not been in Congress, they can't hang a lot of the crazy votes that Lee Zeldin. When I say crazy, I mean crazy in the eyes of uh, a standard Democratic New York voter. They can't hang those votes that Lee has made around Andrew Giuliani. He could say, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that. Whereas Lee can't because he's voted for those certain things. So, uh but I think it's comparable. I think it's look, it's going to be a long shot to have a Republican elected to statewide office no matter what.
6: And what do you think about Curtis Slewa? He was saying recently that he thinks uh Cuomo might run as an independent. You know, um you,
2: Curtis and I have been talking about this a little bit off the air too. Um well, first of all, I'm not convinced that he doesn't still run as a Democrat. He's got 8 days to uh, circulate petitions and jump into the uh, to the governor's race as a Democrat, the, it, you know Cuomo himself when he was governor made it so much more difficult to run as an independent candidate. So it's almost it, it's almost just desserts that he would then have to play by the rules that he himself signed into law. But um, for instance, you need to get fifteen thousand signatures to run as a Democrat, which is tough. Ud thousand signatures to run as an independent, which nobody has ever done, has, uh, and gotten gotten that many signatures.
6: But he'll have a lot more time if he wants to run as a Democrat. He only has about a week left.
2: Right. Well, he he'll have the same amount of. T- he'll have about about forty days to get forty thousand signatures. I uh, I also don't know if Andrew is willing to burn that bridge forever with the Democratic Party. I mean, part of me would love to see it happen. But um, I'm skeptical. Uh, I'm skeptical, Eddie. We'll see. We'll we'll know whether he's running as a Democrat within the next nine days, and then the big question mark will be um, whether or not he jumps into the race as an independent. We'll see. Nine two two two. Uh, Pete's in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, P- Pete. Hi, Frank. Uh, were you ever a fan of the 1960s series
7: uh, Lost in Space? I liked it, but I
2: was much more of a, a Star Trek guy. I, I watched it. I mean, I love, um, you know, I like that robot. Um, I like the, the actor that played uh, Dr. Smith on uh, on that show. He was also on Battlestar. That- yeah, Jonathan Harris. He was also on Battlestar Galactica. Um, I, but, um, yeah, I liked it. It wasn't my favorite show. It wasn't my favorite science fiction show, not by a country mile. But I did like that robot.
8: Well, the first two seasons—the first season was pretty good. Then it got
2: silly when Batman came out. Yeah, I, I found like I, I found the whole series, and I, again, I, I have a. Def- it's been a while since I watched the show. I'd have a tough time delineating which episodes were from the first season and which were from the subsequent seasons. I thought it was fun. Look, when you're a kid, <clears throat> there are three or four channels, so you got to watch what's on. And mm-hmm. Lost in Space was better than a lot of other stuff, but. Um I uh it was was never one of my favorites. Uh thank you, Pete. Oh, by the way, I want to mention uh, we are going to try and give away two prizes to uh the people that come up with the best questions this hour as selected by Matt Blaze and Philippe. And I have to give Philippe credit. Uh I'm really going to you know, obviously I miss Molly, but I'm really going to miss Philippe uh next week. He has done a tremendous job over the course of the last two weeks filling in for uh, for Molly. So uh, I'm sure now that I said that he'll do something to alter my opinion of his performance within the next four hours. But he has been uh, just uh, tremendous, honestly, in the last two weeks. So my thanks publicly to Philip and uh, he's done just a great job. Uh, But we're going to give away two prizes. We're going to give away uh, to the two people that come up with the best question. Number one, we're going to give away a the other side of Midnight Cap. Number two, we're going to give you tickets to see either Tommy James and the Shondells or uh, the Rascals and uh, and Mickey Dolan's of the Monkees at the Palladium Times Square. Uh, the winners will be selected by Matt Blaze, Philippe, and occasionally Alex Bernard. 800 848 that's 1-800-848-WABC. Gino is in Brooklyn. Hello, Gino.
8: Hello, sir. My question is, why do you think the suits at Big Apple are uh, forcing all you guys to do podcasts? And how long do you think people have interest in Curtis's podcast with this kid?
2: Well, it's Red Apple, uh, not Big oh, Apple. That's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, well, I think because, you know, I think the thinking is that more and more uh, radio, more and more listening is moving to the on-demand listening and less into the live live uh, listening realm. And so I think that we sort of um, – I think the station sort of views itself as not necessarily a radio station anymore but as a, a multi-platform content provider where you get video, you get podcasts, you get radio, you get um, all sorts of things. Um, as far as uh, Curtis and Anthony, I, I think a lot of people, there's a good chance they'll be more interested in that than six hours of Curtis repeating the same lame trivia questions and anti-Frank Morano stories that he tells <laughs> on the weekend now. So I think there's a pretty good chance people will be interested in that. At least it's different. Ramaluk. At least you won't, don't know what to expect. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Mario's in Brooklyn. Hello, Mario. Yes, Frank. Uh, Frank, you know, this may be a little controversial, but about
8: eight months ago, I saw a documentary on the History Channel where uh, forensic scientists uh, took blood samples from the Shroud of Turin, and they deducted from their analysis of blood sample from the Shroud of Turin that the um, the blood sample was from a Druid. So I, I then went on to further research, if in the event that the Shroud of Turin was authentic when Christ arose from the dead, uh, they seemed to wa- confirm that Jesus was a Druid according to what's online
2: all right so mario what's your question oh he hung up all right just make sure when you call at 800 9222 make sure you have questions right see that wasn't a question that was if we gave a an award for the worst question now that might be it. Uh, kenny's in Oyster uh, belly. thank you kenny also not a question leo's in manhattan hello leo
9: Good morning, Frank. Uh, if I have a very short, simple question, almost yes or no, can I have two?
2: Sure, go ahead.
9: Okay, the first one is, you was in the first, especially in the first half of Kurtis uh, Leva campaign, really full speed supporting him. Did he ever uh, on the radio, on air, or or personally say thank you for that support? Um... Second, question, second question is, especially when it was your paternal leave, he was really crushing you, but he was crushing also audience. I know that you don't really mind. You says, uh, this is the way we're dealing between each other. I don't mind the insults. But he keep, keep uh, calling your audience idiots. And, and, and it's just so many times I heard him talk about your audience, your callers as people who are somehow below his callers and um, who are stupid and so. Did you ever attempt to stand up for your audience, or are you planning
2: that? Uh, uh, Leo, I I don't take it seriously, honestly. I, to me, it's just bravado. I mean, it's just, it's all, oh, we're going to beat the other team. You know, we're the best. Those guys are all lame. I don't take any of it seriously. I don't think Curtis really feels that way about the audience because um he – he the same people are listening to him. So no, I don't buy I don't I've never brought that up with him at all. Curtis has thanked me for my early help with his campaign privately many times. I do wish on primary night, while he was running through his massive list of thank yous, he would have included a thank you to the first county to endorse him, the Staten Island Republican Party, which kind of gave life to his whole candidacy, never got a thank you uh for Uh, In in his public remarks when he was on TV and everyone was watching, I think that would have been a nice thing. I think he would if he would have thanked the Staten Island Republican Party generally and uh, specifically Vinny Ignazio, who was sort of the the guy that was led the charge to get him the Staten Island endorsement, which then led to him getting the signatures to be on the ballot and then led to him winning the primary. So I do wish he had done a more public thank you to both the Staten Island Republican Party and um, and Vinny Ignazio. Mike is in New Jersey. Hello, Mike.
10: Good morning, Frank. Frank, I I just first would like to thank you for uh, uh, putting on a great show. Thank you. And and allowing uh, me to participate on occasion. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lot of fun. So anyway, my question is this. You're on the island, stranded for a little while. You're going to take an apple or an orange?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I'm considering eating citrus tomorrow because I love citrus, but... um, I haven't been eating it because I've been trying. To, they warned me against caffeine and citrus in addition to alcohol to avoid acid reflux. So um, all things being equal, if I am still feeling as good as I do now, I would take the orange. I, I prefer marginally the orange.
10: Um, and you won't, get, you won't get scurvy. That's a good thing. Exactly. So I got a couple more. They're quick, though. Right. right. Female companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Lawrence or Anna DeArmas.
2: I'm not even sure who the second person is, so I'll say Jennifer Lawrence.
10: Okay, male companionship, Ralph Nader or um, Alan Dershowitz? Ralph Nader. And a TV or a radio?
2: Radio? Come on.
10: I know. I knew you were going to say what that. My choice, that. too. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Mike. Eight hundred eight four eight 848 wabc Hudson is in the boogie-down Bronx. Hello, Hudson.
11: Hey, what's going on, brother?
2: Hey, Hudson, what's your question?
11: All right, I got a couple questions for you. Mm-hmm. Um Couple normal ones, a psychopath question. Um, first is first crush. My first crush was Julie Garland watching The Wizard of Oz.
2: Uh, Uhura mm-hmm. from Star Trek.
11: Uhura from Star Trek. Michelle Nichols, yes. All right. Second one is, um, when you watch sports, um, I have all these things that I do. The remotes have to be in a row, things like that. Do you have anything that you do when you watch sports? Any kind of like. <laughs> Crazy things that you need to do if you if you want your team to win.
2: So, um, if I'm at the ballpark, that's a different thing. But um, if I'm watching at home, one if if someone's pitching a no hitter, even if I'm home, I try to observe the not mentioning a no hitter rule. Also, um, I'm trying to think what else I do uh, beyond that. No, I don't have any many, any many rituals in terms of watching when I'm playing sports. I have every superstitious ritual you could be. I don't step on the foul line. Uh, I'm never walking on grass. I'm always running. I, I have every superstition you can imagine. But uh, I'm as a fan watching other than not mentioning a no hitter, I don't think there's many others that I keep in place.
11: Okay, all right. And then two more, one quick one, and then the psychopath question. The first, Ready. Yep. The first one is um, the, the question of sports. If you can hit everything in the sport, you know, a, a, a game-winning three-pointer, a walk-off home run, a game-winning touchdown, a, a, a last-second goal in hockey, what would you do?
2: Oh, it would be a, a game-winning grand slam, no doubt about it.
11: Absolutely. All right. And then the psychopath question. So I have a song in my head at all times. It's a default song.
5: The what um, song? Is
11: there a, I have a default song in my head uh-huh. at all times. So let's, let's just say I haven't heard a song in a long time and I'm just in my car, I'm walking, I haven't heard any music. There's always a song in my head. And if I haven't heard anything in a while, there's always a default song and it just goes to. Do you have a default song that's always in your you head? You know,
2: Hudson, that's a great question. And I, if you would have asked me four months ago, I would have said the answer is probably no. There's a lot of songs that get stuck in my head randomly, but I've noticed that when I, um, when I'm when I'm holding my son and I try to uh, sing to him to, you know, calm him down or make him laugh or something. I my default is always the same song and it is from the most obscure thing in the world. Now, I'm going to tell you what it's from before I uh I play you a portion of the song. So, uh, years ago, nobody remembers this. Nobody remembers this. But years ago there was a uh, an American Express commercial with Jerry Seinfeld where um he's in the American Express commercial with Superman it's a 30 second spot It was very funny I think it aired during the Super Bowl and then the commercial was so popular and the commercial was so popular that they actually did a series of webisodes featuring I mean they were all basically five-minute commercials for American Express and this is more this is 23 years ago 24 years ago it was called and you could see them on YouTube they're hysterical the Adventures of Seinfeld and Superman, and one of the I remember. you remember. It. So one of the subplots yeah, in this in this episode is Superman keeps wanting to go see this lame Broadway mu- uh, musical called Oh Yes Wyoming, and the end of one of the episodes has them going to see Oh Yes Wyoming, and you hear. Um, Those guys, you hear the cast of this fictitious show singing this song. Oh, yes,
8: Wyoming, with the trees and the horses
2: and the rocks and the sheep. Oh, yes, I'm going to the plains and the trails and the streams and the hills. Oh, no, Nebraska. Is there a diner place? I'll ask y'all. So that that song is perpetually in my head. And whenever I sing to my son, um, I always sing, oh, yes, Wyoming, from this obscure American Express um, web commercial.
11: Frank, it makes me happy to know that you're just as crazy as me, man. I love you, man. Have a good night, brother.
2: Thank you. Uh, 800 848 9222, uh, got an email question here. As you study journalism, you may be familiar with confidential sources. Has a source of information or correspondent ever asked you to keep something to yourself that you didn't? How would you react if you found out harm came to the same person? No, I don't believe, uh, I don't believe I ever have revealed a a confidential source at all. Rick is in Coney Island. Hello, Rick.
5: Good morning, Frank. I just morning. want to say I appreciate appreciate you as a as a radio host. I, I really do. Thank you. Um, your your thought process, you're articulate. You're your just a pleasure to listen to.
2: That's very kind of you. Thank you.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> first question: Do you think that uh, that Mark Simone will ever cross over to WABC again?
2: You know, I could see it actually. He's got a very yeah, good I know he's
5: tight with, yeah, with... I mean,
2: that that's a yeah. And look, um that's the only show that's really really beating um, the shows on our station. You know, I'm, you know, crushing W.O.R. Oh, yeah, I'm a big Mark the, Simone fan. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, and, and so uh, I could ac- absolutely see it happening. I don't know what the terms of Mark's contract are over at W.O.R., uh, and I, I certainly can't speak for him, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen one day.
5: I just know for years I've always seen him with uh, John Katz. Yeah, the they're, East, they're very good friends. They about, socialize you know? regularly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my other question was, how come they don't uh, really promote the, the Mark Levin being on the station? Well, I
2: think they do promote Levin. I mean, certainly his numbers are, are terrific.
5: I think maybe that's you, why I, I don't understand it. The print ads—you never hear, you well, never hear anybody really mention it. Yeah,
2: you know? well, so in terms of the print ads, if you notice, the print ads all promote shows that we produce. We don't right, produce right, Mark right. Levin's show. That's produced yeah, yeah, by... national show. Yeah, it's produced yeah. by Westwood One. We just carry it. Same thing with right, Charlie Kirk. Right. Same thing with Brian Kilmeade. Those are all yeah. shows that we carry, not shows mm-hmm. that we produce. So I think uh, John, in formulating those print ads, mostly wants to promote the shows that are produced out of here.
5: And let me tell you, you guys have knocked it out of the park. Well, that's awfully and nice again, of you. again, right? I just want to thank you for... For, for being the host that you are. You're very kind. I mean, Thank you. Everything from the pro wrestling to the Mets, I mean, you just you cover the gamut, and we, it's, uh, it's great listening to you. We
2: certainly try, Rick. You're very nice to say so. Thank you. Questions, questions, questions. We'll continue straight ahead.
12: Time to play
2: the game This is Motorhead This is the game This was Triple H's theme song, right? This is good Uh, My favorite Motorhead song is Born to Raise Hell But this one became so identified with Triple H over the years Uh, It certainly was probably the most popular song he's ever done All right, we are in the midst of answering your questions on any subject, because if it's Friday, it means...
1: The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything.
5: anything. Larry is in Brooklyn. Hello, Larry. Hi, Frank. Uh, When Hugh Carey got elected governor in in 1974, I thought he was going to be elected president. But uh, Jimmy Carter uh, beat Gerald Ford in 76. And that prevented it. If Carter hadn't beaten Gerald Ford, do you agree with me that Hugh Carey really had the best chance to be elected president in 1980?
2: I I think it's impossible to to say, uh, because, look, if if Carter had won, had not won in 76, then um, we don't know what kind of condition the country would have been in. If the, if Ford had won, let's say, let's say the country was in a similar state of malaise. Let's say inflation was still out of control. Then you might have seen the same backlash against Republicans that year that you saw against Democrats. So I think it all depends on um, there are too many factors uh, for me to say that.
5: I was basing it on his public personality. He seemed like a a very um, likable person, uh,
6: you know, a vote-getter. A a
2: terrific governor. I I, uh, I take his tunnel regularly. And, yeah, I mean, uh, a a proven vote-getter here in New York State, that's for sure. Uh, 800-848-9222. Charles is in Queens. Hello, Charles.
0: Yeah, hi, hi. Hi, Uh, hi. My question is, if a genie, you know, comes out of a Bible and you have a choice, uh, of a wish, which would become reality. So choices would be like: Would you want to be a phenomenal athlete? And if an athlete, would it be like Michael Jordan in basketball, or Brady? What particular sport? Or a singer? Would it be Elvis Presley, Dean Martin, type, or uh, opera? But you also have a choice to become world famous. by by doing a heroic act. Like, let's say, you know, there's a bus about to go into a ravine, and you risk your life, you go stand right in front, and you stop the bus, and you become world famous. Out of all these choices, what would you pick?
2: Well, so I get those three. I get athlete, singer, or heroic.
0: Any other talent that you you don't already possess. Any huge, big talent. And Uh, It
2: would be, I would, much like Solomon, I would wish for... um, Infinite wisdom or eternal wisdom—that uh, was that is, one, that is the one. That is the one. Ever since I first read the Old Testament, that I've always said: if I'm ever presented with an opportunity for wishes, and whenever I make a wish um, with a coin in a fountain or something, that's always my wish. It's uh, do you it's wisdom.
0: Think, do you think, in terms of if if you have to solve a problem, what would Solomon, King Solomon, uh, do?
2: Oftentimes, oftentimes, but I mostly think of Solomon when it comes to making wishes. Eight hundred eight four eight wabc Neil is on Staten Island. Hello, Neil.
7: Hey, Frank. Uh, I heard on the news tonight that they're changing the name of the street in Malvern uh, because some high school kids did some research, and they found the person who was named after was in the Klan in the 1920s. So uh, there's a chance that I'm going to be seeing the mayor in a couple of months and I wanted to float by him, changing the name of Harlem Boulevard to Frank Barada Boulevard. <laughs> now, if I do that, Frank, am I going to look like a fool with yes. some high school kid that's yes. a, uh, a deep dive into your history yeah. and comes up with something that's going to make me look like an idiot? Uh, probably.
2: Probably. I may do something over the next three and a half hours that may, with, may cause my candidacy for that street to be withdrawn. Leave Highland as it is, Neil. That's my advice.
7: Uh, I'm still going to ask him, Frank, what he is. Uh, I'm also
0: going to ask him to come on your show.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. Well uh, He might come on. You know, he, I, I'm pretty friendly with his deputy press secretary. We'll see. Uh, who knows? Thank you. 800 uh, 848 Frank's in Queens. Hello, Frank.
8: Hey, Frank. Uh, I'm going to be 50 years old in June, and I've been keeping a diary since 10th grade in 1988. And I'm wondering if you keep a diary, and if you do, has your life turned out the way you thought it would?
2: You know, um, there have been different times. I never, as a child, kept much of a diary, don't believe. um, But uh, from the time I was 20, uh, there have been different times, maybe a little younger than that, um, maybe late teens. There have been different times in my life where I would be very fastidious with keeping a journal, and then I would kind of not. uh, Then, for a while, I... um, I was keeping a diary uh, daily and um, and I found it very helpful in many different respects. But I I stopped because honestly, the two roles that that diary was filling in my own life, uh, one, having a confidant that I could just tell anything to and two, having a way to chronicle all my adventures and my stories. Those two itches have sort of been scratched from m- meeting my wife because I tell her everything now. And to uh, having this radio show, because now I use this radio show to chronicle all my adventures of what I do every day. So I kind of treat this radio show in some respects as an audio diary. But um, I-, I've, I-, I if I didn't have this radio show or if my wife uh, uh, threw me out of the house or something, then I would probably go back to journaling.
8: Very cool. One quick question as well. Whatever happened to Steve Malzberg?
2: Um, You know, he was on RT uh, doing a show. Uh, Frank hung up. He was doing a show called Eat the Press. I don't know. I know that RT is no longer on uh, television in America. I know they're still on the Internet. I'm not sure if Steve is still doing his show uh, in fact, I'm probably due to reach out to Steve. I'll, I'll ask him. I've invited Steve on this show many times, and uh, he declined without providing a reason. Uh, so I don't know what his story is. 800 Mike is in St. James. Hello, Mike.
10: Hi, Frank. Uh, quick,
8: two quick ones. How do the rating shows know how many listeners you have at one time?
2: So I, I, I've answered this a few times before, so I'm going I'm going to answer this very quickly. Okay, so... The, the the company that measures ratings is called Nielsen. Nielsen selects a maybe 1,500 people in the New York area to represent all 12 million or so radio listeners. So those 1,500 people are representative of all the radio listeners in a given metro area. So um, whatever those 1,500 people listen to – they extrapolate the numbers that all of the radio shows are doing now it's a, it's it's not a perfect system because if you're on an elevator or you're stuck in a lobby or something and they have the radio on it'll automatically pick up that's what you're listening to uh because it's monitored on something called these ppm devices but it's a lot better than the old method the diary method that's for sure
8: very good uh one more uh, if the Republicans happen to take both houses in November, can't Biden veto whatever steps they take to improve things?
2: Yes. I mean, we'll have gridlock uh, the same way we did when it was um, when it was Trump and two Democratic houses and uh, and a Democratic House. Now, hopefully, and I have no confidence that this is going to happen, hopefully uh, we'll see more of a relationship like with Bill Clinton And when the Republicans controlled the Congress with Newt Gingrich and Bob Dole, whereas they fought like cats and dogs in public. But behind the scenes, they worked out their differences policy wise. Unfortunately, Washington is so polarized these days. I have no confidence that that would uh, that that would happen. But, uh, yes, you're right. We'd see gridlock. Now, what we'd also see. Bet your bottom dollar is if there's a, a Republican majority in both houses. And I said this when Trump was impeached, I said from now on, every president that serves with an opposing Congress is going to be impeached because impeachment has become a totally political matter with no basis, even even the pretense of a legal matter. So now when you allow impeachment to be decided by politicians which is what the Constitution calls for, they're going to use it to politic. So I can easily see a scenario where you have uh, members of the House like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, uh, Congresswoman Boebert and who knows, Sarah Palin if she's there, pushing within the House, within their caucus, to impeach Joe Biden. And um, then because uh, other Republicans don't want to you know, be be look weak and lose a primary in their own districts, then they're going to get on board with impeachment. Now, knowing it won't go anywhere, but it it just will only serve to underscore the polarization. And I think just as um, we've seen previously, the overreach much in 2024, actually. But we'll see. That's a long way away. Well, it's a long way away. Eight hundred eight, four, eight, nine, two, two, two. That's one eight hundred eight, four, eight. W A B C. Uh, Judy is in Manhattan. Hello, Judy.
5: Uh, yes, sir. Uh, good morning. Morning. Uh, good morning. Would you have a checklist of uh, questions that might be asked of candidate Jackson that haven't been asked yet? Uh, especially maybe one about uh, Sharia law? in minneapolis that uh uh, seems maybe considered uh, yeah
2: i mean the problem with that judy is uh, there's a lot of things there's a lot of issues i'd like to raise uh because these supreme court justices ultimately are the arbiters, unfortunately, in spite of what Judge Jackson said in her testimony, and she was completely disingenuous in what she said, these these judges, these justices now do make law, even though Judge Jackson says that they don't. They do. And um, unfortunately, these hearings have become an exercise in the Supreme Court candidates not answering any questions. So. I think the Sharia law question is a fine one. She won't answer it. I think uh, questions that Ralph Nader wrote a question about corporate power. Um, she won't answer those. Nobody would, because now it's all about I'm not going to answer because that's an issue that might come before the court. Um, and it could be come, come before the court. But that's precisely why I want to know what your opinions are about it. I'd love to know her opinions on uh, different ballot access laws. I think New York, uh, America has some of the most draconian ballot access laws in the whole world and um I would love to see some judges and justices answer some questions about whether that's appropriate or not and uh, you know they, nobody asked them but even if they did ask them they wouldn't answer because of how these hearings are these days 80848wabc that's 808489222 Wayne is in Brooklyn hello Wayne how are you doing, Frank? Well, thank you. Uh, so I appreciate your eclectic taste
12: in music, and it occurred to me, I hope it hasn't been asked before, but if you could list, attend any concert, be it a soloist or a band or symphony in the history of the world, who would it be and where would it be?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Um, a hit In the history of the world, um so uh I you know I really regret that Frank Sinatra lived during my lifetime and I I never got to see him perform in person. So I think it would probably be uh Frank Sinatra and I think it would be at at the Sands in Las Vegas, uh, maybe with the Rat Pack. They did a um, they did basically two weeks out in Vegas where you'd have uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr. And uh, and th- this was while they were filming Ocean's Eleven, I believe they performed at the Sands. It would probably be Sinatra at the Sands
12: and in his and in his prime what what time period of his career That
2: was that was in the uh that was in the late 50s early 60s so that would be uh-huh. right around then Good question though, great. Wayne thank you 80848 WABC Alfredo's in Newark hello alfredo
6: Yes frank how are you
2: good thanks uh...
6: I
9: just wonder how if you prepare before when you interview people or uh, you read before or uh, you make the questions already or you
2: just have the question. Uh, That's a great question. So uh, 90% of the time I don't write out questions. I do write out notes of subjects that I want to make sure that I remember to raise with them. But uh, and i learned a lot of this from john gambling actually but i try not to even rely too much on that because i prefer the conversation to have an organic flow i've seen too many interviewers on radio especially where they just get in the habit of uh ask reading questions that they don't even listen to the responses that the people are giving so i i make extensive notes but um i don't really i don't generally write out Uh, questions, unless it's something that I absolutely want to be sure that I remember to ask, and I'm not confident that I'll remember to ask it, then I will write it down.
9: Okay, I want to congratulate you, because every time you interview people, they always say, like, uh, that's a great question, you know, I like that.
2: (laughs) Well, thank you, and you know what, everyone's so nice to give me, even my detractors who call Curtis um, they are always complimentary of the uh, the interviews, and I'll be honest, Alfredo, I was re-listening to some of my interviews recently that got particularly high marks from people, and the uh, there's no great science to it. Honestly, the only two things that I do are, one, I try to ask questions that I'm genuinely curious about, and number two – I'm quiet. I actually let them answer the question uh, without interrupting them because I want to hear their answer. Uh, So I think most of what I do during an interview is not speak if you listen. But I appreciate the compliment, Alfredo. Thank you. Al's in Manhattan. Hello, Al.
1: Hey, good morning.
13: Uh, That's 100% the biggest key with you, uh, that you let them explain it without without interrupting. And that's very hard for people to do. And uh, you make them the star. Very important. Listen, we couldn't get Frank Sinatra What about Joe Piscopo outside the TikTok diner?
2: <laughs> well, I've had the good fortune of seeing Joe perform a number of times, and he is a terrific performer, no doubt about it.
13: Oh, yeah. yeah my question was this. Yeah, Don and AC, what kind of superstitions, when you throw on the dice, what would make you get like, oh, boy, this person's am going to seven out of this <laughs> there. Uh, okay, your, your whole mo when you're uh, down
2: there. Uh, right. So uh, you got that's a better question for my wife because she suffers through listening to me complain about all these uh, superstitions. Okay, number How one, on dice? yeah, what, yeah. So number one, while, while I'm while I'm at the craps table. If there's any sort of acrimony at the table, if a player Global. is arguing with the dealer, oh no no no, I had a come The dealer says, no you didn't. Oh no no no, I I I said I wanted to buy that for, The dealer says, no you didn't. Oh, uh, and he calls the 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 pit boss over. Hey, I had a come here. The dealer says, no you didn't. Then I say, uh, this is it. This is just we're done. We're done. There's no chance that I don't I don't crap out on this one. So uh, <laughs> that's number one. When there's any sort of acrimony. At the table. The other thing is, even if they haven't actually touched the dice yet, if someone has their hands hanging over the table um, in the direction that I'm throwing dice, I always will say to them, oh, go ahead. Make sure make sure you you are in a position to touch the dice and screw it up for everybody when they're hanging their hands over the table. That drives me crazy. Obviously, an aggressive roller. Um, I wouldn't say super aggressive. Uh, I, I, it kills me. Obviously, I never would mention the word seven, even if I'm giving a craps lesson to somebody, which is pretty frequent. I don't mention the word seven. And then the other one um, is whenever the dice go off the table, if I'm shooting, uh, I will always 100% use the same dice.
13: All right, cool. Thanks. Good luck next time.
2: Thank you, Al. I'll need it. Uh, I don't have any Atlantic City uh, trips scheduled, but hopefully soon. 800-848-9222. Uh, we are going to give away a couple of prizes to whoever comes up with the best question. We have a, a hat from the WABC Radio Store. You could check out all the merchandise we have there at WABCRadioStore.com. And we have uh, a lot of other a lot of other uh, and tickets to either Tommy James and the Shondells, or The Rascals and Mickey Dolans, either one. You'll have a choice. Uh, the best question and the second best question, as judged by Matt and Philippe. Uh 848 9222 One line is open if you want to jump on board. Rocco is in Selden. Hello, Rocco.
0: Frank, do you remember, of course, did you work with uh, Bob Grant? Did you
8: produce work with Bob Grant?
2: Yes. Well, yes and no. I, um... I vol, Bob, um, when he was not on radio, I arranged for my friend John Tobacco, who had an internet company called, um, an internet media company called UBA TV, UBA TV. Um, I arranged for John to hire Bob to do a show, and I voluntarily served as Bob's producer doing that. And then while Bob was doing that, he was rehired by WABC to do Sundays. And I kind of volunteered to book guests for Bob on Sundays, so I I booked I produced uh, produced uh, uh, and guest booked for his Uber TV show and for a time his Sunday show on WABC.
8: When when Bob had that issue, uh, I'm not going to go into detail where he went off the air. Do you remember uh,
0: the next day when you turn, tuned the ra- well? I did. I tuned the radio on and he wasn't there, and just you, you heard somebody else. There was a uh, there was a definite absence, and uh, John Gambling. Did you remember his last show? How humble
2: on was. WOR or on nine no,
0: seventy? On
2: nine seventy. Yes, I remember both actually. Yes.
8: Oh my god, it was uh, it was tough. It was tough. It was tough, and I I, I hope he's doing well in Florida there.
2: Yeah, I actually uh, I, I spoke to John this week. Sounds like he's doing great. He said status quo, so it uh, sounds like he's doing really well. 800-848-9222. four eight nine two two two. We'll continue with your questions straight ahead.
1: We are New York on New York's Talk Radio seventy seven WABC. Now here's Frank Marano. Okay.
0: Hear my voice where you are, take a train, steal a car, hop a freight, grab a star, come back to me, catch a plane, catch a breeze, on your hands, on your knees, swim or fly, only please, come on back to
5: me.
2: The great Frank Sinatra singing, come on back to me. Uh, let me squeeze in at least one email question here. Tom writes, what station do you think Adams will pick for the traditional Fridays with the Mayor segment? How come he hasn't picked one yet? Do you think he may never do a Friday with the Mayor? One is obviously I can't answer why he hasn't picked one yet. I I think that Friday with the Mayor was something that really um, Giuliani and then his weekly uh, Meet the Mayor Uh, because he, Giuliani, when he was mayor, did Fridays on this station. And then he also did a monthly meet the mayor, which I think might've been even two hours on 880. Both were very good. He was a very good talk show host, even back then. And then Bloomberg continued it. De Blasio, remember, he was elected in 2013 and he didn't take office till January, 2014. He didn't start doing those Fridays with the mayor until about 2016. So he went the whole first two years of his mayoralty without taking without doing that. So it's not as if every mayor has always done it. Um De Blasio did end up doing it on WNYC with with Brian Lear and he did a weekly uh sit down with Errol Lewis on New York 1 as well. I'm not sure. I, I my guess is uh er, Adams is kind of Sort of just getting his sea legs and everything and uh, figuring out what's what before working on a regular media strategy. And look, when you're the mayor, as he's shown, he was at a press conference a couple hours ago when you're the mayor and you actually show up places, unlike the previous mayor, you make news wherever you show up. You don't necessarily need to do it on uh, on radio. I hope he does do it. Um, and I don't know what station. I mean, he's got a good relationship with John Catsimatidis. I'd love to see him do it on this station. He's got a good relationship with, uh, Rita Cosby. I think he's got a decent relationship with, uh, with Dominic Carter. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what station he would pick. I don't know. Maybe he would, uh, I don't know. No idea, quite honestly. It's all a guess. But, uh, remember, De Blasio, he went two years without picking one. So it's very possible that, uh, that he may not pick one for a while. So we'll see. Mike's in New Rochelle. Hello, Mike.
14: Good morning, Frank. Morning. Here's a, a two-part question, kind of. Uh, as far as ratings go, I'm interested in the analytics of your show. Is there a particular hour during the week where your ratings are higher than the others, or is it steady and consistent well, in, all week long?
2: In terms of share, which is the percentage of people listening, it's pretty uh, consistent all all every hour. In terms of QM, which is the raw number of people listening the most people tend to be listening in the four o'clock hour, which stands to reason because that's when most people are awake.
14: OK, and part two, if there was one hour that every person, broadcaster and radio would dread getting stuck with during the week, which hour would that be?
2: Well, one. Give me the question again. I'm not sure I understand it.
14: If you were a broadcaster, a DJ, anybody that wanted their voice to be heard on the radio, what would be the one hour that you would dread getting stuck with during the course of the week?
2: Um, well, I guess a one. lot of people wouldn't. I, I like overnights, but I guess a lot of people wouldn't like overnights.
14: Uh, typical. I, I dig overnights. Yeah, so same. No, same. I, thought, I thought maybe Sunday morning at like 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock would be like the most, you know, off-peak hour radio.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, You know, I've done that shift, and I had a lot of listeners at that time, to be honest. 800-848-9222. Let's squeeze in at least two more before we get in the um, – b- we make a pick for best, uh, best question. Billy's in the East Village. Hello, Billy.
11: Yeah, hi. Um, you were talking about it before, the robot from Lost in Space. What movie was he introduced in?
2: Uh, I don't know. Was it Forbidden Planet?
11: It was indeed. All right. Yeah, thank, thank
2: you Billy. John is in New Jersey.
11: Hello John. Yeah, if you become a martial arts professional overnight, which martial which art would you pick? Oh, which
2: that's kind? a good one. Um I guess uh mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I would pick uh, jujitsu, because my friend King Henry is into jujitsu, and his kids are into it, and he's always talking about it with so much passion and everything, and it sounds like it's not only a great way for self-defense, but it sounds like it's a great way to stay in shape. I'm sure that is true of the other martial arts as well, but... Since I have a friend who's really into it, it would be fun to do jiu stuff with him. So I'd probably yeah. pick jiu for social reasons. Can I
11: ask one more yeah, ask r- real quick. question? Yeah, real quick. How do, you, how do you deal with the callers that call in the next hour and ask questions when you say not to?
2: <laughs> in the next hour, you mean?
11: Yeah. Uh, on different hours. I'm listening. I just hear calls asking random questions. You do it like, within the next hour. Yeah, after this hour,
2: I, I, uh, I, you know what? You deal with each each person as it comes, right? I mean, uh, you can't help but, uh, but you know, we we go to war with the army that we have, not the one that we wish we had. You do a radio show with the callers you got, rather than the ones that you wish you had. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Howard Janelmhurst. Hello, Howard. Hi, Frank. How are you?
12: Um, I, I'm in a difficult situation. We had a sudden. We had a sudden increase in our maintenance, and we have a very high assessment. It will be, you know, about $2,000 altogether for a two, you know, it's a big apartment. And it, it's, you know, and I only, I get it like a $3,500 pension and Social Security. And my question is, what would you do? How would you handle And, you know, if I, I, I don't know if I could pay all of it, but it put me in a very tight spot financially.
2: Uh, so I, I don't, you know, I don't know where to be. What would I do if I couldn't pay my uh, property taxes?
12: Well, no, the uh, no, I'm I'm talking about the the, the maintenance in, for your for an apartment.
2: I, I mean, I would probably try to move to a less expensive place.
12: But you know, I mean, probably like florida but i i can't stand florida yeah I, I
2: i know it's not a position i would envy howard I, again i don't know your professional situation but i would try to earn some more money i wish i had a better answer then but i mean uh, ultimately your choices are only earn more money or cut expenses jeff in suffolk county real quick real quick frank how much uh, emphasis has uh, seinfeld and curb your enthusiasm had on your show uh, it's substantial. I mean, you know, I, I m- more than I even realize. I mean, Curtis loves to compare our show about nothing to uh, to Seinfeld, but I think Ooh, it's substantial. Yeah. That's the only way I could answer it. All right, uh, Matt and Philippe, have you guys collaborated? Have you come up with two winners? Yes. Who do we have?
15: So, do you want the first number one or number yeah, two? Yeah, let's give number one first. The number one question went to Hudson. Hudson in the, in the, Bronx. the Bronx. Okay. First crush. Your sports superstitions got it and the song. And number two went to Wayne in Brooklyn about who would you see in music? All right, well, so Wayne in Brooklyn and Hudson in the Bronx, call in,
2: get your either your tickets uh, to Palladium Times Square or your uh, WABC cap. Uh, we'll give Hudson the first pick since he won, and uh, then and then Wayne will get whatever Hudson doesn't pick. Call back, Hudson and Wayne, 800-848-9222. we got a great show coming up. Gerald Salente is going to be here. Denunciations coming up and a whole lot more. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Marano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Marano.
2: Everyone, this is the other side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Now, if you pay attention to New York state government, you know that everything is decided, everything that matters is decided within the next few days. Why? Because for the last 18 years or so, New York has been governing. Under a premise of anything that matters is in the budget. So if you want any sort of change, whatever kind of reform you want, they stick it into the budget because the budget will pass. Now, it's already late. Today's the day that it has to pass, and lawmakers have already gone home, so I think they're going to reconvene on Monday. But it's a horrible way to govern. I believe it's unconstitutional. I believe the judge in that uh, Silver v. Pataki case decided the case incorrectly, but it's since become every, uh, what every governor now does. Not how I'd like to govern, not how I would do it as governor, but unfortunately, and look, when I ask every candidate for governor when they come on this show, what do I ask them? What do they believe in? And then I ask them an important question, how? Their answer is always the same. The budget, the budget, the budget, the budget. That's how um, we got the Mario Cuomo bridge over the Tappan Zee bridge. They snuck it into the budget. That's how we got bail reform. They snuck it into the budget. And now Governor Hochul has a 10 point plan to be tough on crime, including rolling back some of the bail reform provisions. And she is trying to get it passed as part of the budget. There's a whole pushback to this now. A lot of people very unhappy that Kathy Hochul is trying to roll back bail reform and give do things like give judges discretion. And one of those people is Assemblymember Latrice Walker. Uh, Latrice Walker is a, a very interesting person. I, I've talked about her before. But... She announced yesterday that, or uh, I guess a couple of, no, these are comments from yesterday, but she's announced this a few days ago, that because people are trying to roll back bail reform and put things back to the way they were, basically, because of that, She's going on a hunger strike and she is currently in the midst of a hunger strike. So she doesn't like what Mayor Eric Adams is saying on bail reform. She doesn't like what Governor Kathy Hochul is saying on bail reform. So she's in the midst of a hunger strike.
4: This is day 10 of a hunger strike uh, in order to fight uh, against many of the uh, proposed changes uh, that are being espoused by both the mayor and the governor.
2: That audio is courtesy of uh, 1010 WINS, by the way, uh, W-I-N-S. So I'm going to play you a couple of other cuts from this, but here's what I've wondered. Always. Now, if you're the governor or the mayor or a constituent of hers or anybody else's and you don't think bail reform is a good thing and you like what Governor Hochul is doing, trying to. Dial back bail reform. Do you care if Latrice Walker is on a hunger strike? I mean, again, I I feel bad if she if she I would feel bad if she starved to death. But I'm not going to say, you know, I was really against bail reform until her hunger strike. Now, now I'm for it now. I mean, I just can't bear her bear to see her go. Go. Without a meal. I, I, now I'm for it. I, I was not for it before, but she's convinced me. Does that ever work? Now, I can understand a hunger strike Um, might work for somebody like Gandhi or Nelson Mandela. Somebody that's an international figure of some renowned that you, you'd be pretty amazed if they died. But if you're Governor Hochul or Eric Adams, do you care if she eats or not? I don't mean to sound crass, but I'm just wondering, and I have wondered this always when people go on hunger strikes, because I've done a lot of protests. I mean, look, if I thought I could bring back tab by going on a hunger strike, I would do it. I'm practically on a hunger strike right now. I'm not eating cheese or bread. So. Or booze. Now. Who cares? Latrice Walker uh, talked about how effective bail reform has been.
4: We have seen that bail reform has been at its best 99.999% effective. Um, and it's a, it's a, uh, policy that is, is working. Uh, people are not being arrested. Uh, and that's 99.9% of the people. Um, uh, released on bail reform. They're back with their families. They're working on their jobs and they're continuing uh, to be uh, successful in society.
2: Now, uh, putting aside the fact that I disagree with her, I, I don't think uh, I think she's painting a much a rosy picture of what the status of bail reform is in New York and its effect on crime in New York. But I still don't care that she's on a hunger strike. I, I remember when Al Sharpton was arrested for protesting um, military testing in Vieques. He was imprisoned for 90 days and he went on a hunger strike. And I remember not caring then. And I said, well, oh, Al Sharpton's on a hunger strike. All right. Who are the Mets playing today? Who I mean, does anybody care when someone else goes on a hunger strike? I mean, if it's like this former marine that's being imprisoned in Russia, if he's on a legit he's on a legitimate hunger strike, if he dies in Russian uh hands, that's an international incident. I can care about him being on a, a hunger strike. But a grandstanding politician that wants to convince me how great bail reform is, it's nonsense. I I, I don't I don't think these hunger strikes are effective as a forms of protest or as a form of making a statement at all. Do you? 800-848-WABC. That's 800 9222 How long might this last, Member Latrice Walker?
4: Also How long can you go on with that, Assemblywoman? How long are you, are you planning to continue this? Uh, well, definitely through uh, to, the, to the bitter end, uh, I guess I would say – um, once the, we are at a pencils down moment, uh, then, you know, that's that signals that we are at the end of this particular fight. But even if um, uh, we may have lose or lost a few battles, I believe that we were victorious in ensuring that most of what the uh, proposals, the mayor's plan, and the governor's plan was not included uh, in the budget. It's not a part of the budgetary talk. So my question for you is. Whether you agree with her or
2: not, let's say it was a cause you did agree with. Do you think hunger strikes are at all effective? I do not nine two two two. Not for a purpose like this. Um, I, I just don't get it. And you know what I learned? It's not even really a hunger strike. Now, you might think, oh, she hasn't eaten for 10 days. How is she still living? Well, apparently, she's been drinking liquids... Taking liquids and vitamins. Now, do you think Gandhi, when he was going on hunger strikes, do you think Gandhi was was taking liquids and vitamins? Somehow, I think not. And Sharpton was the same thing when he was in jail. He um, he was having soup. His mother was bringing him soup. What kind of hunger strike lets you have soup? These are not hunger strikes. These are liquid fasts. People do this to diet sometimes. So, one, I don't think this is a real hunger strike. Two, I disagree with the cause. Three, she cannot eat forever, and I still agree with the governor and the mayor, not her. Four, I- is this effective at all? Weigh in on any of that that you like. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 9222 Assemblymember Walker says there are people supporting her hunger strike and there are people worried about her.
4: People are encouraging me to continue in the fight. Uh, but, of course, a number of people are very concerned about my health and, and welfare, uh, and I appreciate that. But two days after the governor released her 10-point uh, her ten, day, her 10 point proposal, two people died on Rikers Island pretrial. And whatever it is that I'm going through won't touch what they may have been experiencing in that moment. All right. and so these are severe uh, consequences, uh, and there's just too much to, um, to not take seriously.
2: Now- she talks about what she's going through.
4: She's not going through
2: anything. She's making the decision to protest in this way with a liquid fast. I'm not calling it a hunger strike. It's a liquid fast. 800 Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Hey, how are you?
8: I I'm... never thought I'd get so quickly. Well, hey, anyway. I, can,
2: I can put you back on hold, Al, if you like. Well, if you like
8: I'll stay with you. But here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story about what you said before about the crap table. Mm-hmm. And, I'm say, and I'm going to equate that to who cares. I'm on a crap table playing, and I'm like you. I like to play around a little bit. And a guy has a heart attack. He's laying on the floor. I'm watching everybody's reaction because I can't believe what's going on. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's laid right around them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay? This, actually, this really happened? It happened in Atlantic City. <laughs> now, I'm only telling you this story because who really cares if she eats, doesn't eat? Who is she anyway? Exactly. So exactly. I I think what's happening here, this might be a camouflage thing where she's actually looking to lose weight for a cause. I don't know what she looks like, but, I mean, I'm here listening, taking deliveries in Manhattan right now. And it's just amazing
2: to me when
8: you have the inmates running the asylum, what would you wind up with? Who is this lady? What did she win by 500 votes to become a Congress lady or something? Uh, well,
2: assembly member. No, she actually, uh, she, well, she, you know, it's a Democratic district. So she actually won pretty overwhelmingly because whoever was the Democrat was going to win overwhelmingly. Um, so, but, but, but still, who cares, right? I mean, I don't well, think Governor Hochul is going to say, oh, Latrice Walker hasn't eaten in 10 days. Let me withdraw my budget proposal.
8: I'm just, I, I, you know what? I see why people run, run away, because when you have this kind of uh, nonsense going on, who's watching the who's watching the story here?
2: Well said, Except Al. Thank, thank, you. And look, I, I, and I, my question is not just about the issue of bail reform; it's about the tactics of a hunger strike. So, let's say you're like me and you don't agree with her position on bail reform. Fine. Let's say this was an issue you did care about. Like, my issue is ending daylight saving time, bringing back tab. Those are my two issues, right? So if I thought I could not eat for a month and have those two changes made, I would do it. But who's going to care? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Mike's in Bayside. Hello. How
11: you doing, Uh. I just want to say that I, I think a hunger strike can be a very effective tactic uh, if you are occupying the moral high ground. As in uh, Gandhi uh, in India, he, he people did very much care wh- whether he lived or died. Right,
2: right. But, but that's what I was saying is I feel like if you're a Mandela or a Gandhi or even a Joe Biden or a Vladimir Zelensky or, oh, or, or, or a whomever, if you're if yeah. you're a world leader. Um, people would care, but if you're one of 150 assembly members,
11: who does but care? Also, Frank, uh, to finish the thought, uh, uh, Assemblywoman Walker does not occupy the moral ground. Make no mistake; she is advocating for the continued death of hundreds of young persons of color. Well, that's my she would that's my view advocating for.
2: That's my view, Mike, certainly. She obviously
11: position is not a moral one. Right,
2: well, she obviously does think. She's occupying the moral high ground. Now, you could disagree with her, but I I don't think that this is what I don't think for a second this is not what she really believes. This is what she believes. So, I mean, she believes that she's occupying the moral high ground. Uh, give me your Thoughts on this? Lamar is in the Bronx. Hello, Lamar.
0: Okay, Professor Morano. How are you
2: doing? Hanging in there, Lamar. Thanks.
0: Okay, good, good. The best for you. Okay, and your family. All right. Thank you. Okay, now, Professor, to get to that issue, like, right? I feel that she's directing like her best effort toward the wrong cause.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah, it could be, but my position, my position, Lamar is. I think even Mm -hmm. if it was a cause that I agreed with, I think it still would not be effective if she were going on what she's calling a hunger strike.
15: Okay.
2: But that's just my point, Lamar. Thank you. Um, Mark's in Westchester. Hello, Mark.
10: Yes, Frank. Good evening.
8: Um, uh, Going on the chicken bullion and uh, water liquid diet is nothing like a proper hunger strike and not that uh it was for the right cause but bobby sands and the rest of the lads that were locked up in the hellhole of a northern irish prison by the british government did a proper
10: hunger hunger
8: strike uh this weight loss system the rest of these fraudulent politicians including formerly uh very uh, Rubenesque Al Sharpton, is just a scam. They're under a doctor's supervision, obviously. It's it's a fraud, and it's a sin to the people who really took their causes seriously.
2: Well, thank you, Mark. 800-848-9222. By the way, there was one piece of audio that I meant to play yesterday, and I didn't get to it. So I figured, let me play it for you now. I'm curious to get... Um, to get your take on it. Do you remember uh, Lara Logan? So Lara Logan was on uh, was on Fox, and she was on, I believe, CBS before that. And, uh, yeah, she was on CBS News for 16 years. Then she was on Sinclair Broadcast Group, and then she joined Fox Nation. And uh, she made some comments that a lot of people found very anti-Semitic. And I want to play them for you, and whether you love Lara Logan or whether you can't stand Lara Logan, I'd really be curious if you if you think these remarks are anti-Semitic or not. And then I'll give you the latest on why where things are with Lara Logan. This is what she said, uh, and this is from this was not from her Fox Nation show. This is from know dot com, where I guess she was doing a video blog. endweknow.com dot com.
4: They can, you know, go back to the Big Bang Theory and Darwin. I mean, when I found out, does anyone know when who employed Darwin, where (laughs) Darwin is comes from? (laughs)
5: Uh, Go ahead.
4: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, look it up. The Rothschilds. Yeah. It goes right back to 10 Downing Street. All the way. And the same people who employed Darwin. Mm -hmm. And that's when Darwin, you know, wrote his theory of evolution and so on and so on. And I'm not saying that none of that is true. I'm just saying... Darwin was hired by someone mm-hmm. to come up with a theory.
2: So then um, now it I, was there more to that? Philippa, I had thought that she went on to say that the theory of evolution was a, a Jewish funded hoax. Was that in there? I see. Okay. So maybe, maybe what's been reported isn't exactly accurate. Now um, I am hearing that, they may be, that Fox may be severing their relationship with Lara Logan. So uh, I'm curious, especially if you're Jewish, but even if you're not, do you find those remarks anti-Semitic? The Rothschilds were, of course, one of the most high-profile Jewish families in history. They became prominent in the late 18th century, and the wealth and influence they wielded made them the subject of many anti-semitic conspiracy theories about jews uh taking over the world um now so i thought i saw that uh fox was severing their relationship with her i don't know if that was official or if that was just something that was uh being bandied about that they that fox was considering so uh i don't know uh jimmy is on staten island hello jimmy
0: Hi, Frank. Good evening. Um, I just want to say about these people coming up, assemblywoman assemblymen, whatever, if they're coming up the ranks and they're doing something so juvenile, that's like a child holding their breath to turn blue uh, right. to, um, you know, get their way. I mean, does this person realize all the people that are dropping dead and get murdered and punched and beat up just because of this no bail reform? Does she even care? And if you notice when they were talking to her on the phone, what you were playing, she said, yes, uh, yeah, I'm doing this for my cause. Why why do I talk like you're 90 years old? You're drinking soup. You're doing this. You're supervised. There were guys in England, I think, years ago that they uh, did the uh, starvation thing, and they died.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Yeah, they weren't
2: weren't taking vitamins, I'll tell you that.
10: (laughs) All right, have a good night.
2: Thank you, Jimmy. Josh is in Rockland County. Hello, Josh.
10: Yeah, two things. First of all, um, uh, there's two people that accuse, let's say, George Shores of stuff. One guy's Semitic and one truly believes it's just one individual who's evil. So it's hard hard to know if it's antisemitic or not. depends who it comes from. Second of all. I ate today two pizzas and some sushi and stuff. I want to know if I qualify for a hunger
2: strike. <laughs> uh, so I think not, Josh. Uh, it sounds like you don't necessarily think this is an effective means of protest. Not at all. Thank you. 800 uh, 848 So apparently, Lara Logan uh, just, has been off Fox for a little while. After after some other comments she made in January about Anthony Fauci. So uh, I guess maybe she was already off Fox. I don't know if she's still being paid or what the what the story is. But Rolling Stone has has a story where she's saying, thank God that she was dumped by Fox. She says that she's uh, she felt tainted by their pro Ukraine coverage. So, uh, and she's promoting that she's on Getter, which is an one of these alternative social media apps. eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. 848 Oh, by the way, some big news on the Cats at Night show last night. Did you hear about this? You probably have heard about it, even if you didn't hear on the Cats at Night show. If you've been listening to the radio, uh, Bob Brown was covering it in his uh, top of the hour news. But... John Faso, the former congressman, the former uh, assembly member, he called in to the Cats at Night show, and it was John Katzmatidis, Lydia Serrani, Governor Patterson, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, and I think that and Ed Cox, right? And this is what John Faso said about a development that a lot of us had been following.
7: Break, breaking news: uh, the uh, state supreme court uh, in the upstate county of Stuben County. Uh, about an hour ago, uh, declared the redistricting enacted by the Democrats in the legislature in Albany to be unconstitutional. And the judge tossed the lines for the U.S. House, uh, the state Senate and the state assembly uh, because the process that the Democrats used to jam this unconstitutional gerrymander through the legislature was violated the uh, provisions of the Constitution that the people enacted in 2014 So when reporters have asked me, what does this mean? I say, well, what what it means is that the people won and the politicians lost.
2: Now, um, very interesting. So the state legislature ignored the mandate to go with the recommendations. Well, I didn't ignore. I mean, this was sort of uncharted territories. But uh, the Independent Redistricting Commission was created as a result of a constitutional amendment. The, they couldn't come up with agreement. Shockingly, you put five Republicans and five Democrats together, they may not agree. And then what happens? Then the legislature gets to draw the lines. The Democrats control both houses of the legislature. They drew a totally gerrymandered map. And the Republicans, led by John Faso and Ed Cox, they filed a lawsuit to stop it. Now, they filed it in... Steuben County, precisely because Steuben is a very Republican county, it's, it's probably the most Republican county in the state, and they knew they'd have a good chance of getting a Republican judge. They did, and it's a Republican state Supreme Court judge that or justice that made this decision to knock out these lines. Now, does that mean that all of a sudden the lines are going to be redrawn By the legislature or a special grand – a special referee as the judge decreed? No. Governor Hochul and the Attorney General Letitia James, no surprise, are appealing. And my understanding of the process is while they appeal, the the decision – the judge's decision gets stayed. So now it will go to the appellate division. They'll hear this case right away. And then whatever the appellate division decides, whoever loses there – the case will go up to the court of appeals. If I'm guessing, I do think because unfortunately courts can be just as political as um as legislatures can be. The appellate division your uh, you I think ultimately the existing gerrymander will stand. And I got a question, I got two questions from a listener who's been following this. Um one this person writes do you think the judge's party affiliation should be given in the story? Uh, if so, how prominently in the lead or only mentioned as a minor point? I think it is very relevant that this was a Republican judge. So I think I wouldn't mention it in the headline. But, yeah, I would mention it in the in the you know first couple of sentences of a story about this. And the other question that I got was. How do you feel about judges? What's your position on whether courts should be able to overrule state legislatures when they gerrymander? Very tricky because I despise gerrymandering. I've been fighting against gerrymandering my whole life. And I actually think gerrymandering is one of those things where we have a situation where politicians get to pick their voters instead of the other way around. And um, I remember having mixed feelings when just Chief Justice Roberts wrote the majority opinion by the Supreme Court, giving states the right to do this. And on the one hand, I don't like I despise gerrymandering. I think it's horrible. But on the other hand, I don't love courts undoing the will of legislators. And. Unfortunately, gerrymandering is a political process. Now, does gerrymandering get to a point where it's so egregious that it's depriving people of their constitutional rights? Maybe. So I I have um, I hate gerrymandering and I always cheer whether it's Republicans trying to gerrymander in places like Texas or Florida or Democrats trying to gerrymander in places like New York I always cheer whenever gerrymandered maps are struck down. But um, I have mixed feelings about whether courts should be able to override the legislature on this. The case of New York is different because in the judge's decision, and I read the judge's decision, he was essentially saying that what the legislature did was a violation of the state constitution. Now, I read both both sides arguments that they submitted It's tricky. It's a very gray area, and it's never been tested through the courts before. My guess is, unfortunately, the gerrymandered maps will stand because that's what the constitutional amendment says. The constitutional amendment that the the voters passed said independent commission draws the lines. If an independent commission can't come up with it, legislature draws the lines. And unfortunately, it's not really the spirit of the amendment that passed. But that's unfortunately exactly what happened. So from a fair play point of view, I would love to see the judge's decision stand. But from a legal analyst's point of view, uh, I don't see it standing. So unfortunately, I think that's um, I I, I think it's going to go back to the gerrymandered map. But Governor Patterson posed to me an interesting question when I called in. On the uh, Cats at Night show is he said, do you think this could delay the primary? If this judge's decision stands, it could delay the primary, could delay it till August, which could upend all the candidates, because it totally changes the dynamics of the races. You may have to go through petitioning again. I, I, I don't think you should have petitioning to begin with, but you may have to go through petitioning again and you may have candidates deciding to run who decided not to run earlier. So, I think it's very interesting um, lastly on the on the cornucopia of subjects that I, I wanted to bring to your attention, there was yet another shooting in Brooklyn yesterday, and more people shot and unfortunately, a twelve year old boy was killed. a twenty year old was injured, and a twelve year old was killed. At 56th Street and Linden Boulevard, they say the 20-year-old, the police say the 20-year-old woman uh, was the driver. The 12-year-old was in the passenger seat, and an 8-year-old was sitting in the back seat. Uh, Eric Adams went to the scene, to his credit, and he addressed the the media. This is what the mayor said.
13: The question I continue to ask, what about the innocent people? What about people that sit in their cars and are shot and killed? We hear so much about those who are fighting, but when are we going to start fighting for the innocent people of this city? And I'm going to do that, and this police department is going to do that. We're going to catch this shooter, but as long as we have guns and a revolving door system, we're going to continue to come to crime scenes like this. It's time for it to stop. That's why we're here. We're going to do our job. We need everyone to help us end this senseless violence.
2: Twelve-year-old boy fatally shot while sitting in a parked minivan in Brooklyn. This is the city that we're living in. So I give uh, Mayor Adams credit for going to the scene, and uh, I hope we are able to do something about this. And I say if the mayor is going to be successful about doing something about this, I say more power to you. One of the things I noticed the other day um, in the coverage of all the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, was Matt Gates had tried to get the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop into the congressional record. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to make this a whole Hunter Biden, <clears throat> Biden discussion, but he sent Gerald Nadler the hard drive containing contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. And so... I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Matt Gates made me realize the guy's still sitting in Congress. Is he still running for re-election? I go and look. He's running for re-election, and he looks like he's likely to win. And I remembered. Do you remember what was going on with Matt Gates a year ago? On March 30th of last year. The New York Times published an article that was treated as a bombshell by the political class. They cited exclusively anonymous sources. I love when they do that. And, quote, three people briefed on the matter. The New York Times announced that Congressman Matt Gates and I pulled up the article. This is what it said, quote, is being investigated by the Justice Department over whether he had a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old and paid for her to travel with him. Now, that headline, chosen by the New York Times editors, was as inflammatory and as provocative as it could possibly be. This is what it was. This was the headline. Matt Gates is said to face Justice Department inquiry over sex with underage girls. That was the headline. Right up, high up in the article. The Times emphasized what grave crimes these were. The Justice Department regularly prosecutes such cases, and offenders often receive severe sentences. It was very light on one thing. Evidence. There was no evidence. Instead, they devoted paragraph after paragraph to sort of guilt by association regarding a political ally of his who was indicted last summer on some sexual stuff. Only when you got to the very end of the article, well below the headline, which castigated him as a pedophile and a sex trafficker, did the Times say the following, quote, no charges have been brought against Mr. Gates and the extent of his criminal exposure is unclear. Now, a year later, the guy's still not charged with any crimes, let alone convicted, and yet he's had his name dragged through the mud as a as a sexual predator and a sex trafficker. So, exactly a year after the Times uh, runs this reputation destroying article, we know he still's not charged. Now, one day he might be charged by the DOJ; they might accuse him of a, of a crime. But from the start, Congressman Gates, and I don't care whether you love him or hate him, says nothing to do with politics. This has to do with the media deciding to run stories about possible criminal prosecution based on leaks. He denied these accusations. And he did more than deny. He claimed that these allegations arose as part of a blackmail and extortion scheme to extract $25 million from his family. So while many people scoffed at Gates' story as fantastic and bizarre, I think including me, that part of the story was vindicated last August when a a Florida developer and a convicted felon was arrested on a charge that he tried to extort $25 million from Matt Gates' father. So as of now... He's not been charged with a crime, and the only person who has been charged with a crime as a result of this article, since this article, rather, has been the person that Matt Gates says was extorting him. I think this should be a cautionary tale, one, to the press in making stories out of leaks about potential investigation. This is precisely why you don't do that, because if some very often people are investigated But not charged. So why destroy their reputation? And number two, I think this should come as a cold shower to the public that whatever the media outlet is, just because someone makes it sound like they're a child predator or might be arrested soon, that doesn't mean you should necessarily believe them. Now, who knows? He could be charged with something tomorrow and I'll eat my words. But it it still doesn't make what the Times did and they're handling this right. In my opinion, 800 848 WABC. Alien update straight ahead.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. All right. Little baby loves Clambake, Clambake Little baby loves Clambake too Little baby loves Clambake, Clambake Little baby
12: loves
8: Clambake too Hey listen world, you gotta know I'm cutting loose and letting go Who needs the worry and the strife Life can be a
12: ball
1: i just fall away in my life Clambake Gonna have a Clambake Clambake
12: Look for the brightest lights in town.
2: That's where you'll find me hanging around. The great Elvis Presley TV singing Clambeck. I was surprised no one weighed in on the Lara Logan situation and whether or not her comments were uh, anti-Semitic or not. Did you find her use of uh, calling evolution a Rothschild... Funded scheme or theory, whatever word she used. Did you find that anti Semitic? Give me a call. 800 848 9222. Hopefully, you're off. You're up to something fun this week. You know what this weekend is? WrestleMania. It's now a two day event. Uh, Matt Blaze, have you been following the card for this year's WrestleMania?
15: Uh, somewhat. I, I mean, I won't. I'll I'll be here Sunday, so I won't be able to see Sunday night's big event. Well, but what I am time gonna does it start Saturday, on Sunday? Like seven. Oh, so I mean, what time do you get here? Well, I I'm here at nine. Oh, you're so, here at nine. So yeah, you'll be able to watch a little. But I'll, I mean, I could watch it the next day. But I will watch Saturday night's car. Does Saturday start at seven two? Yeah, I think. Now they both Saturday start at they're Saturday. doing the Hall of Fame induction, right? Is that because I know they changed everything around? I, I, I can't keep track. It's just too
2: much. That's what I'm saying. Used to be, you know, WrestleMania would be three, four hours. The fact right. that it's now a
15: two-day affair, how can anybody watch the whole thing? Exactly. Well, I think they they have so many superstars now that they can't cram it all in. It would be like seven hours long, and who's going to sit there for seven? Well, hours? they shouldn't put that many matches into one card, right? right? So they so should bring, they
2: split back, it. bring back, bring back Starcade. Put half these matches at Starcade, right? But so what are
15: the big matches this weekend, do you know? Uh let's see. The big the big matches on uh this WrestleMania card. I think well Ronda Rousey um I know she's involved. So here it is. Uh Saturday night. Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin. Okay. And I like Drew McIntyre. I think he should be higher yeah, see, up on I the card. See, I only really know about the older wrestlers. Um yeah. But
2: now, was Stone Cold coming back this year?
15: Well, that's the yeah, that's they're saying that Stone Cold is supposed to. And who's he wrestling?
2: He's wrestling that that guy. I, I saw a little bit of it. Who's he wrestling?
15: Do you know this weekend? No, I think I think well, no, I don't know who Stone Cold is wrestling because I haven't looked at the card. I just keep hearing all these rumors. The rumor about Cody Rhodes coming back uh, as well. The Undertaker is getting inducted. Right? Is that on Saturday? Into the Hall of Fame is that um, Saturday? Do you know? Let me see. I'm looking at the hall, the Hall of Fame induction. It just says the class of 2022. Uh, Undertaker will be the marquee, of course, um, but I can't. I don't know what date. So, like I, said, it's so hard to follow. Yeah, like, I know. That's the thing. Is.
2: That that's the thing. Um, yeah, I think um, I think Kevin Owens is that. Uh, I think that's who. Oh, Stone Cold is supposed Kevin Owens, to be yeah. going, yeah. and he's
15: another underused talent. Kevin Owens.
2: Right. Well, I mean, look, there's only so much airtime that, you know, you can get these guys. I mean, that's the problem with, you know, having all these stars under one umbrella. So it's going to be 7 p.m. Saturday, 7 p.m. Sunday, and we think the Hall of Fame induction is Saturday.
15: Yes. That's what we
2: think. All right. And it's I'm, all- I'm
15: looking at The Miz and Logan Paul versus the Mysterios. So it's Rey Mysterio and his son. Oh, well, that's interesting. So his son's like, okay. Okay. I've seen him. He was at last year's WrestleMania, I believe. They have Seth Rollins, and it's to be announced, which is I think it's Cody Rhodes. Huh. Well, that would, Seth Rollins. Cool. That, so that would be pretty cool. That he might know. Uh, Raw Women's Championship: Becky Lynch versus Bianca Blair. Is uh, that also all oh, the women? The SmackDown Women's Championship: Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. You know, I'll be honest. I like
2: both of them, and I've seen them both wrestle. I'm still not into women's wrestling. I, no. I, I I'm, I really, I mean, those are both very good wrestlers, and I've seen them, right? and they're great athletes, and of course, Ronda Rousey had a whole career in mixed martial arts before going into pro wrestling, but yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I'm I, just not into it. Maybe that's chauvinistic. Well, that's the thing. I,
15: I liked Ronda Rousey when she was a real fighter, mm-hmm. and now that she's in wrestling, it doesn't it doesn't have the same appeal to me, And because I, I, I know she's acting, and she looks like she's acting, and she hasn't had the same like, training that that everybody else has. And I think, uh, I mean, she'll probably win. We'll see what happens. And I hope Charlotte Flair All right, so I I, I don't know. I'm going to try and at least watch
2: some on Saturday. Uh, Sunday night at that time, that's when I usually try and get a nap in and then drive here. But I'm going to try and watch some on on Saturday. Uh, We'll keep it on in the house while we're doing something else. But, you know, when I'm home with my wife on Saturday night, we kind of have to... Not have to, but we pick some, but we both want to watch. And I know she's not going to be into watching day one of WrestleMania. I, I want to mention, I want to give a shout out to the employees of the Amazon facility in Staten Island. They have been organizing since last April for safer working conditions. And they're in the midst of voting. And it looks like these could be the first Amazon workers in the whole country. To actually unionize. I say more power to you. And I think what Jeff Bezos has done in terms of crushing unions and crushing and his workers spirits has been abysmal. So I say for these workers in Staten Island to have the gumption uh, and not be intimidated by Bezos and his crowd, more power to you. I'm. Absolutely standing with the Amazon workers here. And if they want to unionize, they should have every right to, no matter what Jeff Bezos decides to do. Hey, uh, two quick alien updates. This is from The Sun. Scientists have moved a step closer in finding out whether alien life really does exist. One place they've long believed there could be life life beyond Earth is on one of Jupiter's 79 moons. The moon in question is Europa, and there's a very valid reason why. Europa, did you know this? I didn't know this. I'm going to save this for the next time we talk with Dr. Scott. Europa has water and oxygen, the essentials for sustaining life, as well as chemicals that could serve as nutrients. But proving all this has been tricky for some experts, mainly because they've never actually tested samples and can only rely on observations. What's more, Europa is home to ice-covered oceans believed to be about 15 miles thick, and scientists suspect life may well be underneath. How the oxygen gets past that huge ice for whatever lurks deep down to breathe has left, been left to scientific debate. But now, a team has put together a model to show how it could work. They're convinced salt water within the icy shell could be transporting oxygen. So building a physics-based computer simulation of the process, the oxygen basically hitches a ride on salt water under the moon's what they call chaos terrains, which are landscapes made of cracks, ridges, and ice blocks. Their findings show that it's not only possible, but it could mean Europa's ocean has a similar amount of oxygen as the oceans back here on Earth. Professor Mark Hesse of the University of Texas says our research puts this process into the realm of possible. If it provides a solution to what is considered one of the most outstanding problems of the Habitability of Europa, of the Europa subsurface ocean. So NASA's planning to send an orbiter called the Europa Clipper out in 2024, which could hopefully build on further findings. Also, we are um, seeing even more attempts by scientists to confirm the existence of intelligent life elsewhere, although oftentimes it seems there's no intelligent life here either. Scientists have developed a new message that could be beamed to intelligent aliens that might exist in the Milky Way. That's the galaxy that we're in, the, the Milky Way. This is in the uh, magazine The Scientific American. This new space-bound note, which they're naming the beacon in the galaxy, or B-I-T-G, is the latest in a series of attempts to contact other life forms in the universe that date back to a message sent in 1974 from, um, uh, you know, a star cluster. The beacon was devised by a scientist at NASA and his colleagues who published their motivations and methodology in a study. And um, this is not peer-reviewed, so take it for what it's worth. But the proposed message includes basic mathematical and physical concepts to establish a universal means of communication, followed by information on the biochemical composition of life on Earth, the solar system's time position in the Milky Way relative to known globular clusters, as well as digitized depictions of the solar system and Earth's surface. So who knows? We're sending a message to the aliens. Basically, it's like send, throwing a message in a bottle into the ocean. Only in this case, the message is math and science, and the ocean is space. We'll see if we get a response. 800-848-9222. Comment on any of the these topics that you see fit. 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC.
2: I got to tell you, you know, I'm usually not surprised by the audience reaction, but so far, nobody has called in to weigh in on whether or not Lara Logan's comments are anti-Semitic. Not a single person, one way or another. Blew me away. If I was betting before the show, I would have said the phones would have been off the hook with people weighing in whether or not her comments were anti-Semitic or not. Blown away. But I did get one email here from a listener who says, "Frank, of course, Lara Logan's comments are anti-Semitic. Whenever you use the Rothschilds, that's code for um, that's code for the Jews." I just got another email here, so maybe the people who have opinion about this are more likely to email rather than call. I'm Jewish, and I remember Lara from her CBS days. I can't comment without knowing the full context of her conversation or know about her character and other beliefs she might hold who knows the extent of the Rothschild's motives anyway. I do think it was inappropriate for her to comment anyway. So there you have it. So and I'm not saying that she's anti-Semitic. I'm just wondering if people think those comments were anti-Semitic. That's my question. All right. Um, 800-848-9222. We'll take your calls in just a moment. But I do have to tell you, yesterday, was quite an adventure in our house. Be, and i knew i was in trouble my wife came downstairs from from you know from upstairs and she said did you bring bethsheba in now bethsheba is one of our three cats it's her favorite and it's everybody's favorite she's by far the friendliest she's the only one that's easy to transport the three times that i've moved my wife From different residences. She just goes right into her cat carrier. She goes to the vet. No problem. She'll if you're a perfect stranger or have known her for her whole life, she'll rub up against you. She's a very sweet, very kind girl. And so she loves going outside. She came from the streets. My wife found her on the streets. Loves going outside. So our backyard is fenced in. And so we let her out in the back. And she was escaping underneath the fence. So we sealed off. The front of the fence, the area where there was a bank. And my wife shouts to me yesterday, Honey, did you let Bethsheba in? I said, oh boy. I think to myself, oh boy. The answer was no. I did not let her in, which means she's missing. I said, is she missing? So my wife immediately goes, as I knew she would, into panic mode. Looks all over the backyard. And I'm holding our our son, so I have a brief respite from looking. She looks all over the front. She's now full-fledged panic. And she is not at all happy. She said, I think she got out through the back. She's not within calling distance because even when she's missing, she'll come when I call her name. She's panicked. Puts the baby to bed. And then I know... I am going to have a long few hours if this cat's not found in a hurry. And I do want to find the cat. I like the cat, too. Uh, but I really, I've always said, if this cat find, th- needs to go out and find whatever they're finding elsewhere, go ahead. You don't think you're treated well here, Bathsheba? Go ahead. So I said, when she takes my son to put him up to bed, Um, I said, all right, I'm going to get in the car and go to the street behind the house, behind our house. To see if she's hanging out there. So I bring some cat treats. I'm shaking the cat treats. And now it's starting to get dark. It's starting to get dark. I'm shaking the cat treats. I'm shouting, "Bethsheba, Bathsheba, driving in my car about 10 miles per hour. Everybody's looking past me. Everybody's wondering what's going on. I don't find the cat. So I come back home, prepared for a rough night. And so I'm coming in and I said, let me look in our neighbor's yard. Uh, Their neighbors, unfortunately, they moved. The house is vacant. So I go into the backyard, trespass, and I'm shaking this bag of treats, shouting, "Bethsheba, Bethsheba!" Nothing. And I turn around and I see there's a black cat. And I can't turn around too quickly because I don't want her to run away. And I go towards the direction that I saw. She was in our driveway. She was hiding underneath the cat. So I throw out some treats. I grab her. I've never seen my wife, in uh, the whole time that I've known her, including our wedding day, I've never seen her so happy with me as when I brought home this cat. So uh, hopefully uh, that'll undo whatever the next bad deed I do is. But I'm happy we found her. And now the poor cat is banned from going outside. Until next hour, keep asking questions.
1: This.
2: Everyone, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Marano. Without further ado, it is time for a lot of people's highlight of the week. It is the time for me to call out those that need calling out the unjust, the oppressive, the mistaken, the incorrect, the short-sighted, and the people I don't like, and even sometimes people I do like but who have done something untoward or have found themselves on the short end of the stick somehow. They are the recipients of
1: this week's The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciations.
2: I must begin by denouncing Congressman Madison Cawthorne. Are you familiar with Madison Cawthorne? He's a young man, um, very young. I believe he's the youngest member of Congress. He's now 26 years old. And he called out some of his colleagues as saying that some of his colleagues um, it, it invited him to orgies. Right, so... One of these claims has set off his fellow House Republicans. He made this bizarre assertion on a conservative YouTube channel that people he, quote, looked up to in Washington, invited him to orgies and used cocaine. So now. All of his constituents and all of his colleagues, including the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, said, well, wait a minute. If there are members of Congress using cocaine and inviting you to orgies, we want to know who they are. Name names. Everyone has to name names. Well, apparently. He made it up. The allegations are untrue. Now, it's one thing if you want to exaggerate uh, the way Curtis does or the way Eric Adams does. But if you say some of your colleagues are inviting you to orgies and doing cocaine, I mean, that's a pretty big thing to make up. So Madison Cawthorn, I do denounce you. I must also denounce and I thought I was done discussing the Academy Awards and I am. But I have to again denounce the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences. Why couldn't they let Sleeping Dogs lie? They claimed that they asked Will Smith to leave the Oscars after he slapped Chris Rock, but he refused. They said this Wednesday that they asked Will Smith to leave the theater after the slap, but he refused to do so. But apparently they lied. They never asked him to leave. So... Why would they go and go out of their way to say that doesn't make any sense? I want to denounce 44 colleges in California, dozens of community colleges, including Los Angeles City College, have not provided data related to enrollment fraud since the chancellor's office started asking for it last August. Despite a request last August from the chancellor's office that all 116 California community colleges report on enrollment fraud involving fake student bots, nearly 40% of campuses failed to submit any information, deepening concern among the board of governors about the extent of possible wrongdoing and how it may be affecting the system's plunging enrollment. This is crazy. I don't know if you've been following this story, but it's so interesting. Evidently, some bots, fraudulent, not real students, fraudulent, and in some cases got accepted to these community colleges in California. Apparently, this was due to some scheme to try and get the financial aid money. But back in... August, the LA Times reported that thousands of fake student bots had enrolled in community college classes throughout the state, and that more than 65,000 of them had applied for financial aid at the time when the college system received significant COVID relief for students. So, in the months since, they've been trying to get a complete picture of how many were. And 44 colleges in California have not provided any information. In my view, there's no excuse for that. And it kills me to do it. But I have to denounce alcohol. Sometimes people, including people that I've interviewed, have claimed that alcohol can be good for you. Uh, Alcohol in moderation. It's a blood thinner. It's got resveratrol. Well, according to new research from Massachusetts General Hospital, MIT and Harvard. Oh, those hacks. What do they know? Um, there is no basis to believe that any amount of alcohol has any health benefits. So they did a detailed study examining 371,000 adults and and their average alcohol consumption. And they found that... Um, Moderate drinkers tend to show lower rates of heart disease, but people who have avoided um, drinking altogether were more likely to develop heart disease. But heavy drinkers were the most at risk group by a wide margin. Importantly, though, now I know what you're saying. Well, that's a case for moderate drinking, not no drinking. Moderate drinking, moderate drinkers were also living much healthier lives. In general than any of the other participants, even those abstaining from alcohol altogether. The moderate drinkers were more likely to exercise more, eat more vegetables, less likely to smoke. When the study authors included such lifestyle factors into their calculations, any cardiovascular benefits tied to moderate alcohol disappeared. So this is a real, real bummer. This shows, this is the latest information, that even moderate drinking is not good for you. I want to denounce the state of Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma now ranking, according to Wallet Hub, as the worst state for women. Imagine that. That is the state motto of Oklahoma. Imagine that. You know, I've dated a few girls from Oklahoma. They were all cute, I must say. I, I have a thing for Oklahoma girls. And, and it's it's interesting that they all, so many of them ended up here. I guess they were trying to get out of Oklahoma. Some of the key metrics included the uninsured rate for women, for which Oklahoma ranked dead last, and uh, a bunch of other things. But um, the maternal mortality rate and a bunch of other issues that WalletHub took into account. Uh, So I didn't know about the story until Jennifer from Boston brought it to my attention yesterday, but I've since learned about it and I find it reprehensible. Ron Perlman slammed Governor Florida DeSantis for signing into law the supposed don't say gay bill. Ron Perlman, who's an actor who's in the movie Don't Look Up, he's actually pretty good in that film. He posted a video to his Twitter page in which he called DeSantis a effing Nazi pig and a piece of blank. Now, I don't care if you don't like Ron DeSantis or the legislation he chooses to sign. I am so not about calling American politicians Nazis. It is so disgusting. It is so vile. And in my view... It, it it almost takes away from how horrible what the Nazis did was. In my opinion, what the Nazis did was so atrocious, it's sui generis. There's nothing that compares to that. And for Ron Perlman to call a politician that he disagrees with a Nazi, it's really... Reprehensible, And Ron Perlman, I do denounce you. And I hate to do this because you know what a big supporter I am of the post office. But I'm going to have to denounce the post office cops. The office of the inspector general found that the United States Postal Inspection Service, which is the law enforcement arm of the post office, the folks that arrested Steve Bannon, if you'll recall, they did not have legal authority for searches in its ICOP surveillance program. So understand what they did here. This is not according to me or some crazed conspiracy theorist. This is according to the inspector general. The post office, the Postal Inspection Service, was, quote, not legally authorized to conduct blanket keyword searches of social media for terms such as protest, attack, and destroy. And yet they did so anyway. Because they're only supposed to investigate cases with some connection to the post office or the mail. This is the oldest police agency in the country. And it's their job to police the mail and crimes related to the mail like mail fraud. But they went too far. Clear violation of the Fourth Amendment, in my judgment. Uh, I want to denounce Brandy Jones. Brandy Jones is no brain surgeon, I'll tell you. Brandy Jones was scheduled to make a court appearance on Monday in Dublin after being arrested for a stolen car, for stealing a car. How did she get to said court appearance? Well, you guessed it. I guess maybe I'm becoming too predictable. The 41-year-old woman used another stolen car to get to the court appearance for stealing another car. When she arrived at the Dublin courthouse, authorities determined Jones was, yes, driving a stolen vehicle. I mean, (laughs) is it too much to ask that if you're in court for a stolen vehicle, you take an Uber or something, call a taxi? Uh, penultimately, I must announce Guida Milk. Guida Milk sells milk to schoolchildren all over New Jersey. And more than two dozen schoolchildren in Camden school schools, Camden County, had to be hospitalized from drinking Guida's 1% low-fat milk. Now, apparently... This peroexocetic sanitizer was found in this Guaida's 1% low-fat milk in several schools. So now they're doing an emergency recall. But is it too much to ask that if you are giving food or drink to children or any human but children, that you double and triple check that drinking it is not going to send them to the hospital? Guayda Milk, I do denounce you. And finally, I must denounce the Washington Post. The article, the Washington Post put out an article saying this was the headline Pregnant people at much higher risk of breakthrough COVID study shows. Pregnant people. Pregnant people. They couldn't say women. This was the last day of Women's History Month, and they put out a headline saying pregnant people. You couldn't throw the women a bone on Women's History Month. Come on. Washington Post, I do denounce you. Uh, we're going to talk to Gerald Salente in just a minute, but a couple of people have been patiently holding. Uh, Let me try and get to them. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Tom's in Bergen Beach. Hello, Tom.
12: Hey, Frank. Good morning. Uh, morning. Always an education with you. Thank you. Um, Do you think sending out an invitation to aliens is a good idea? I I guess the people who decided this uh, didn't watch the movie.
2: (laughs) Which, Which one? Which one? Contact?
12: Uh, the alien, aliens.
2: Oh, aliens! Oh, the film aliens. Oh, that's a fair point. And,
12: and, and we're sending out a signal to them. Well, maybe not them particularly, but who knows? All right, I, I have another thing. Uh, the reason why we are trying to do this, find intelligent life elsewhere, is because it, it's a little uh, short of shit here on Earth.
2: I, I think uh, you're Earth. exactly I'm right, finding. Tom. I, I made that. <laughs> uh, I made that as you heard from Brandy Jones driving a uh, stolen car to her court appearance. I think you're exactly right.
12: Oh, my God, yeah. All right. Frank, have a good night. Wait, I do have a joke. All right, you wanna... I'm ready. God, I'm ready. Know. All right, all right, all right. Um, I got to try to think of a short. Well, you know what? I don't, I don't have it ready. Thanks a lot, Frank. Have oh, a good night. Oh, boy.
2: Okay. Well, you, That was sure, surely a quick change. That was funny. Chris is in the Catskills. Hello.
7: Hey, Frank. How are you? I wouldn't go around saying there's an empty house next door to you. You're going to have dozens of Curtis Leow listeners holding up in that house to be spying on you. Well, the, I mean, it, there's a
2: Curtis. for sale sign there. There's people coming to see the ha- the house all the time. But at the point that I at the point that I was looking for the cat, it was empty. And so it was not as if I could knock on the owner's door and say, "Do you mind if I poke around your backyard?" So I just po- I just went in the backyard. There's no fence or anything, so I just went back there. Back
7: there. So you 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 piqued my curiosity the other night when I was listening to you. Uh I don't I like to get up early in the morning, so um I I was curious about the guest you had that have, was in court for creating uh fake Facebook pages, uh like as a political operative. Mm-hmm. Um how did the how did the, how did that go with him in court?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if you heard our interview yesterday, but um he I mean he he took a guilty plea and he's now He is waiting to hear back from the appellate division about whether he can get his guilty plea vacated. Um, It's an interesting legal theory. It's never been tried before. One way or another, I don't know whether it's going to be successful, but I do imagine it's going to make law. It'll go all the way up to the Court of Appeals. And it's a pretty interesting legal case. I hope people found the the interview as interesting as I did.
7: Well, it seems... As somebody who I used to run my own campaigns, I'm a political operative. It right. sounds I, I ran clean campaigns. Uh, sounds a very sleazy way to run a campaign, though. Um, yeah, again, are you a political? You're a political operative yourself or you used to be?
2: No, I mean, I've never been paid uh, to be a political yeah. operative. I've worked on some campaigns, many campaigns, actually. Yeah.
7: Yeah. You look your picture. You kind of look like one. But I look when I was looking for your podcast. But you, you used to have ties with the Independence Party.
2: Yes, that's true.
7: OK, I could throw some names out at you. So I won the Independence Party three times through a write-in campaign, taking the line away from incumbent Republicans or Republicans that were trying to challenge me when I was a Republican. Um, So I'll just say Len. Len, I won't say the last name over the air. He's from the city originally. He was the party boss upstate that I had to deal with. And, you know, after I took the line away from him, I showed up at the fundraiser and I told him, I said, look, I'm I'm doing this you know, out of respect as I am carrying your line and I'm here, you know, in honor of, of, of me. And, you know, you're not happy with me taking your line through a writing process. Uh, And then I know Josh, the, the attorney for the for the independence party for the state he's based up in colony.
2: All right, Chris, are you run for anything this year?
7: Well, the guy that beat me is uh, the most prolific campaigner. In my area, and I was, the, I was the most prolific until he came along. Uh, I was busy taking care of some other things. All right. So it sounds but, like uh, I know. am still involved. You're
2: not running for anything this year?
7: No, 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 no. All
2: right. No. Well, uh, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Um, 800-848-9222. Hey, uh, Gerald Salente is going to be here next. That's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, Gerald Salente is a trends forecaster, and uh, I have been loving the coverage he's been doing on the Ukraine stuff. Um, I Check out his YouTube page. It's great. But we'll find out where he thinks it's going, and uh, we'll pick his brain on a bunch of other things, too. This is The Other Side of Midnight, straight ahead.
1: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. <laughs>
12: Took a monkey for a ride in the air. The monkey thought that everything was on the square. The the monkey off his back, but the monkey grabbed his neck and said, Now listen, Jack. Straighten up and fly right. Straighten up and
5: fly right. Straighten up and fly right. Cool down, Papa, don't
2: you blow your top. This hey, is The Other Side tonight. of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. The guest joining me right now is not only one of my favorites, but he's one of our all-time fan favorites. He's someone that is requested again and again. And he's somebody that uh, I always make an effort to talk to as frequently as possible because He's usually pretty on the money with the trends that he's predicted. The You know what you're seeing in terms of the price of gold? He predicted that. You know what you're seeing in terms of supply chain shortages? He predicted that. The bottled water craze? He predicted that. The gourmet coffee craze? He predicted that. The supply chain issues? He pred- predicted that. Uh Issue after issue over the course of the last 35 years have been predicted by Gerald Salente. But usually I introduce him as a trends forecaster and the founder of the Trends Research Institute. These days, though, he's calling himself Deacon Gerald Salente and his church is the universal church of freedom, peace and justice. I don't know what it means, but I do know uh, that a lot of the commentary that he's been doing on the issue of the Russia-Ukraine fight is right in line with my thinking. And a lot of the guests that he's been featuring are some of the same guests that this show features. And there are other guests that have caused my mind to be expanded to other possibilities beyond what you see in the mainstream media. It gives me a great deal of pleasure to welcome Gerald Salente. Gerald, thanks for joining me on the radio as always.
3: Oh, thank you, and thank you so much. Uh,
2: So what is this deacon, Gerald Salente? I've never known you as uh, much of a holy roller, Gerald.
3: Well, I'm not a holy roller, but uh, the the universal church of freedom, peace, and justice is just what it is. And this is a time when—here, we're just talking about the Ukraine war. Have you heard one peep from the pope, from any of the religions, from any of the politicians, speaking about peace— no, no. Oh, here's the quote. Here's the quote coming out of the UK uh, uh, today. We're going to send more quote lethal weapons to Ukraine. Oh, isn't that nice? More arms to kill people.
2: <laughs> I, I I don't understand it. But 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 before we delve into the Ukraine situation, what is the universal again? We Church started of freedom a movement.
3: We're trying to unite people under one umbrella. For freedom, peace, and justice, they robbed that. They robbed us of our freedom when they started the COVID war. Hey, don't you know who I am? I'm little Andy Cuomo. I'm an arrogant little boy born on third base. Thought I hit a wrong home run. Oh, and I'm gonna rename the Tappan Bridge after my daddy because he's better than everybody. <laughs> now you stay in your home. I'm locking down the. I'm locking down the state. You're a non-essential business. You're a piece of crap. Oh, but Walmart, you could stay open. Oh, Home Depot, you could stay open. And anybody else that gave me money for my campaigns, you could stay open. They robbed us of our freedom. They're robbing us of our peace right now. All they're talking about now is war. And they robbed us of our justice. You need more, you need more proof? How about the little, uh, you know, the... The Coke Boy uh, over there, uh, the Biden Boy, oh, with, with with his laptop, oh, and getting a job with Barissa Energy, along with John Kerry's little step, Christopher Hines, the boy from the Hines '57 family. We wrote about this in detail in the Trends Journal magazine back in 2014 when the United States overthrew the democratically elected government of, of Viktor Yanukovych. A justice, no justice, only justice for them. Oh, you and I. I uh, oh, you, oh you, you were going uh, 10 miles over the speed limit. Where were you? Show me your show me driver's license. Did you have anything to drink? Stand on your head and repeat the alphabet backwards. Oh, yeah, but when you're one of, Oh, how about J.P. Morgan Chase? Five felonies? Oh, Jamie Dimon. Oh, he only got a $30 million raise. Do they go to jail? Freedom, peace, and justice, if we don't unite for it, united we stand, divided we are going to die. We are on the cusp of World War III. And that's why I'm moving to have this movement going.
2: So anybody can join this, right, irrespective of what their faith yeah. is, Jewish, Christian, atheist, Scientologist, whatever they can. Right. Everybody can join. And the, uh, the website is freedompeacejustice.com. Uh, that's freedompeacejustice.com. You also offer members the opportunity to get a COVID-19 religious vaccine exemption. Uh, what's that about? Why are you be- becoming a, a, a clearinghouse for vaccine exempt-
3: Because it's again your freedom to be who you want to be. It's your body given to you by your God. And I got some clown playing the president. I'm getting my fourth shot. Oh great, man! Oh, everybody get your fourth shot now. Oh, the drug dealers. Oh no, no, you got to call them Big Pharma. Remember when they load out the baloney back in in November and December 2020? Operation Warp Speed. You can't make this name up. It has a 96% efficacy rate. Two shots will do you. Hey, wait a minute. Now I got to go four. So this is your body. And as I said, freedom, peace, and justice. You are free to put in your body what you want to put into it. And again, you look at the data. You you get the magazine. You see what we're putting out. Oh oh, oh, let's see. 94% of the people that have gotten that have died of COVID, according to the CDC, only had 2.6 pre-existing comorbidities. Yeah, I mean,
2: you're much more likely if you're under the age of 55 to have died of an alcohol-related death last year than you were of COVID, according to the statistics. Uh, you you posted a video which I found pretty interesting, and it dovetailed to some of the other news coverage that we saw. You know, uh, President Biden and others that are sanctioning Russia and Putin have basically acted like they're isolating Vladimir Putin from the rest of the world. When in actuality, there is a world beyond the Western world just yesterday for instance vladimir putin visited the or met with the leaders of the two most populous countries on earth india and china you had an interesting video china and russia versus u.s and nato and the winner is question mark who wins uh with this new bipolar world of china and russia and i guess india is in league with them as well versus the west
3: the 20th century was the American century. The 21st century is going to be the Chinese century. The business of China is business. The business of America is war. You even read Vladimir Putin's statement that he made today when he told the Germans and the Europeans, no, no, you're going to have to pay for that starting, starting this morning. You're going to have to pay for that stuff in rubles. And then he goes on to say how the United States is enriching the military-industrial complex mm. using the words from Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces in World War II, two-term president, anybody could look up his – farewell address, January 1961, when he warns the American people that the military-industrial complex is robbing the nation of the genius of the scientists, the sweat of the laborers, and the future of the children. And now the guy that's playing president is just awarding them how many more billion dollars to the military-industrial complex as our roads are rotten, our bridges are collapsing how how 20% of the people are living paycheck to paycheck how median household income had its greatest decline in history and we're fighting more wars so the 20th century is gone unless we have a renaissance it's over for america again look at the shape of this nation 42% of the people are obese 70% are overweight Look how this country's going down in the style and the grace. Do you need any more clearer, clearer shot in the eye than watching the Oscars? How low can you go? Uh,
2: talking with Gerald Salente, he is the founder of the Trends Research In- Institute and the publisher of the Trends Journal. Uh, these days, if you follow his YouTube channel, he's also been doing a ton of terrific commentary on the uh, on the subject of Ukraine, among other things, but uh, a lot of great interviews as well with people like Colonel Douglas McGregor, people like uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano, a lot of people that have been guests on, uh, on this show, and uh, some others who uh, will cause will cause you to think differently than you would if you just watch a steady diet of the mainstream news media. Now, uh, Gerald, going back to this Ukraine situation, a lot of people look at it and it's a very black and white issue for them. They see Vladimir Putin and Russia invading a neighboring country that uh, didn't attack them and in the process killing a lot of civilians, doing things like uh, attacking hospitals, including maternity wards. How do you um, paint Putin as anything but the clear villain on this one, Gerald?
3: I'm totally opposed, again, as someone... I also launched Occupy Peace back in 2014, so OccupyPeace.com. So I'm totally opposed to what he's doing, totally opposed to it. I also know why it happened. Again, to me, it was very simple. All he had to do was the same thing that, that, that Khrushchev did when the United States put weapons uh, the nuclear weapons in uh, in turkey he put him in cuba that's all he had to do you get you again the again you get the, the magazine you go to the details the, the united states overthrew the democratically elected government of ukraine in 2014 and then you keep going on 40 billion dollars of our dose so far from 2014 has gone into ukraine number three then what happened is after when Khrushchev, uh, excuse me, Gorbachev and George Bush Sr. made the deal, when the Soviet Union break, broke up and they're going to give back Germany and all this other stuff, the quote, you can look it up. It's in the National Archives. NATO would not move one inch further. There were 16 NATO countries. Now there were 30. Going back to Ukraine, you said the Ukraine the war. The Ukrainians have killed over 15,000 people in the Donbass region the eastern part of of, uh, uh, Ukraine. Ukraine has been a part of Russia going back and forth for 1,300 years. It's not my business. I'm an American. And when I hear these idiots, these morons, these arrogant little military officials and all of these intelligence experts telling me what's going to happen – when they haven't won a war since World War II, and it's cost us about $8 trillion since Bush launched the Afghan war, and then the Iraq war, and Obama, the Nobel Peace of uh, crap prize winner, launched the Libyan war, the Syrian war, and you're going to tell me how you're going to win a war when you haven't won a war? And what's going on with Russia? This is none of our business. And if anybody thinks it is, Look at the failure record.
2: A lot of people uh, can't do anything about who goes to war, right? Unless you're the president, or uh, maybe maybe Congress, or the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, or the Secretary of Defense, you have no say about whether we're sending troops to Eastern Ukraine or anything like that. But you still have to pay the bills for geopolitical hostility. We're seeing that recently at the gas pump. Uh, On Thursday, President Biden came out with his plan to uh, tap into the strategic petroleum reserve in order to reduce gas prices. You think this is gonna help when it comes to inflation and energy prices in the short term, Joe?
3: Short term a little bit. Pure moronics. Again, Judge Napolitano on one of my shows, he made it very clear. We put sanctions on Cuba back in nineteen sixty two. Did it change the government? Look at look at Iran. Sanctions, who does it hurt? The people. Right. Who does it hurt in Venezuela? The people. This is total idiocy. Total idiocy! It's driving up again. All the details we have in the magazine: what's going on in wheat prices, what's going on in in, in bar uh, 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 one one commodity after another, palladium, on and on. All the stuff you use for catalytic converters, uh, one one commodity after another. So this is totally moronic. And by the way, they talk about how again. We're going back 1300. The Crimea was part of Russia forever since Catherine the Great and, and it was Khrushchev when the drunk guy that, that gave it back to Ukraine because he was Ukrainian and but anyway, they have a, they have this uh, port over there, a naval port right? And they're saying all of the media and all the politicians they have no right being there okay So what are we doing in Guantanamo Bay torturing people in a place called Cuba? Oh, it's okay for us to be in Cuba. And then then when Biden calls Putin a butcher, hey, join the butcher's club. You know that guy Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction and ties to Al-Qaeda. Another daddy's boy, a little jerk that would be nobody if daddy wasn't Georgie and grandpa wasn't Prescott. All right? Look at the murderers that we have lined up. Look at the people Americans have killed in needless wars. Hey, I'm Vietnam War era. Oh, and that's the other thing. I'm 75. I was right at the peak of, you know, the draft thing. Hey, Biden got all these draft deferments. Well, he didn't go fight. Oh, man. Oh, the guy that talks tough was a coward during the Vietnam War. But hey, does he talk tough now? So look at all of America's track record. So, hey, Putin joined the Butcher's Club.
2: Uh, you can't argue with that. Uh, talking with Gerald Salente, I uh, want to encourage you to check out both the Trends Research Institute and uh, the, his uh, videos on YouTube. Uh, some really great stuff on there. You can go to the website, TrendsJournal.com. That's TrendsJournal.com. So a lot of people are listening to you, Gerald, and they're nodding their head in agreement. Uh, maybe they're, uh, they're driving home from working late or being out late. Maybe they're home in bed listening to us because they can't sleep. If they have just heard you for the last 10 minutes. They certainly can't sleep now. But um, a lot of folks are wondering, what should they then do with their money? If inflation is here, if sanctions aren't going to do anything to bring about regime change or a change in Russian behavior, if uh, the supply chain shortages are going to continue for a little while, where should they be putting their money for the long haul if they want to make sure they don't see their uh, their whole portfolio eradicated by inflation?
3: I, don't, I cannot give financial advice, but I will tell you what I do. GSB, gold, silver, and bitcoins, and gold number one. I've been buying gold since 1978. My first buy was $187.50 an ounce. Wow. Gold, and and I, I again, I don't tell people what to do. I get it, I buy it, and put it away, and I forget about it. And it's just that... You know, and I want to make this very clear. We're on the phone now, and all of a sudden, Gerald, Gerald, I just heard that something happened to Wall Street, right? And all of a sudden you hear all this, uh, uh, we're sorry that uh, the the banking system has been hacked, and you're not going to be able to get your money. Do you think something like that could happen? Absolutely. You got it. And I'm going to tell you a very quick story. 9-11 happened, USA Today used to run my top trends every year. And they came out in December for January, for the new year. Yeah, that's you what we go, do. We
2: do the right. same thing. Yeah.
3: Right. So you go back to 2000, December, the headline in USA Today, 2001 won't be our year, Trendseer says. And I warned that a wave of anti-Americanism was sweeping the globe, and Americans wouldn't be safe at home or abroad. People forgot the murderous wars called the Yugoslav War. Oh, that was a great NATO war. Oh, and Bill Clinton, every time he got caught with his pants down, bombs away over Baghdad. Oh, and Madeleine Albright that just died on Leslie Stahl, saying that the price of 500,000 Iraqi children under the age of five on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl was worth it. So, you know, as we used to say in the Bronx, payback's a bitch. So, we thought something was going to happen. So, when it happened, and I'm watching it happen on TV, the first thing I did was I called my bank up, and I had CDs. You used to get money for your, for your when you put it in the bank.
2: Right. Now Gosh. they pay you for renting a vault.
3: Yeah. So, now I call them up. I said, listen, I want my money transferred out. And they were living out. in Rhinebeck yeah. at the time. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Salenti. Certificates of deposit are traded on Wall Street. And Wall Street is closed. All right? So why would anybody keep their money in a bank when they're paying you nothing and they're making money on your money? And now, boom, all of a sudden like that, our banking system has been hacked and we're doing everything we can protect you and we're closing it down. So just to me, I'm just saying, you know, the the motto of the Trends Journal is think for yourself. But I would not – I keep enough money in our bank, and I put the money in other places, in other countries, and getting away from where it can be, and we have enough money to keep paying our bills and that kind of that. But why would we keep money in a bank when they're giving you nothing, and we're in a very dangerous situation? Going back to the COVID war when it began, look how they robbed us of our freedom. I will tell you what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. I'm your governor. I'm your mayor. I'm some little jerky politician.
2: What do you think that portends for the political scene this year? Most of the conventional political analysts are predicting a big Republican sweep. Both houses of Congress and a lot of other elections that generally aren't necessarily competitive, they're predicting a Republican advantage. Do you go along with the conventional wisdom on that one?
3: Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, it the the line that used to be in the Clinton administration, Clinton first ran for president in right, nineteen. It's the
2: economy, stupid. It's,
3: uh, that's it. And so, yeah, they're gonna But what are you getting? You're getting the, the other side of the coin. You know, I, I, without going into my whole school, I was running mayoral campaign in Yonkers, New York. I was the number two guy, Angelo Martinelli, became the longest-running uh, uh, mayor of Yonkers. I, I worked on political campaigns throughout Westchester County. I was assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate, mm. chief government affairs specialist. I got, I, I got a picture of me and Ronald Reagan when I picked him up at the Chicago Hilton and put on a, a, a brunch for 16 of our board of directors. when I was 30 years old, two days before he was running against Jerry Ford. I Everyone, mean, presidents, prime ministers, and princes. It's a freak show. And another thing that I, that Eisenhower said, a real man, any man seeking the office of president is either an egomaniac or crazy. Welcome to the club.
2: Do you see any reason, uh, whether it's politically, economically, diplomatically, any other respect, do you see any reason for folks to be optimistic at this point?
3: No, no unless we have no. a new system. We need. We need again. As I, I, it, it, to me, they're murderers and thieves. Oh, m- thieves! Hey, you're too big to fail. Hey, I'm I'm Goldman Sachs. I'm too big to fail. You're just you're not essential. Who the hell are you? Oh, and and the and so the thieves and the murders. How many more wars? How many more wars do they have to start? How many more people do they have to kill and steal our money and give it to the military-industrial complex? If we don't have a new freedom party of some kind. We are finished, and we need we need a renaissance. The renaissance, by the way, followed the Black Plague, because the people realized they were really dumb and they were killing themselves. Ali Romana al Antique, in the manner of the Romans and the ancients, to bring back the quality. Again, look at the Oscars. Could you imagine back in the day with Gary Coopers and those kind of people that something so low life would happen like this? Oh, and the music is so great. That beat. uh, 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 uh. Oh, it's, it's terrific, man. Look how low we've gone. Look at the style. Dignity is out of the window. We have to come back. And to me, the only thing that's going to have to happen, we need a new political movement a freedom movement.
2: I can't argue with you on that one, Gerald. Gerald, it is always a treat to talk with you, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I look forward to our next conversation. want to encourage everybody to check out the Universal Church of Freedom, Peace, and Justice. They can go to freedompeacejustice.com. Thank you, my friend.
3: And thank you so much for all you do.
2: Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, give me a call, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
1: It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 77 WABC.
6: Tastes like strawberries on a summer
9: evening. And it sounds like a song.
1: I want more berries and that summer feeling It's so wonderful and warm Breathe me in Breathe me out
2: Water, sugar. I, I remember um, Juliet used to love, I'm sure she still does. I used to love Harry Styles. She'd always be talking about him. It's a good song. Nothing against it. Hey, uh, I, I received two pieces of exciting news. One was about 40 seconds ago, and one was a day or two ago. Let me begin with the more recent news first, which is of the most pressing concern to the people in the Marano household. I uh, just got a message from my wife, Rachel, who informs me that our son, Carmine, just slept for almost seven hours straight. So that's a, a good boy. Seven hours. That is a new record. Very proud of him. Uh, now he apparently is happily talking to himself in his crib after he had a bottle and a diaper change. So uh, I'm glad things are going well. In the Murano household. The other piece of news that I got was that um, my favorite musical is 1776, and I received word that it's coming back to Broadway. Now, I saw a previous revival of the musical 1776 with uh, Brent Spiner as John Adams. That was terrific. And, you know, I said, okay, this is exciting, it's coming back to Broadway. I'll go see the new one just because I love, love this play. I love everything about it, but apparently um, this new version of 1776 is going to be, from the looks of it, all women. So the first version was almost all men. There were two women in the show, the Abigail Adams' character and the Martha Jefferson character, but everyone else was a man. Man, uh, this version is all women. And initially, I sort of flinched. I said, ah, oh, it's such a great show. Why do they have to go and and take this politically correct tact with it? But then I thought, look, we we saw how well Hamilton worked where, with an all-minority cast playing a bunch of old white guys. So maybe maybe this will work with a bunch of women as John Adams and Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. I'm still going to see it, assuming I can get tickets when it's on sale. It's coming in the fall to the Roundabout Theater. But um, I, I'm going to see it mostly out of curiosity, but also just because I love the music. But um, some shows are fine just the way they are. I don't know why. <laughs> Again, I'm of two minds. I said, all right, maybe it's a creative way to look at it. But on the other end... I kind of like the way the show, the way it was, but maybe this is what you need to do these days. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. That's 800-848-9222. John is in Rockland County. Hello, John. Hi, Frank. Hi.
7: Hi. I wanted to talk to you about the uh, acid reflux you're having.
2: Well, th- that's what my uh, ENT thought it was, anyway. And so far, if you look at the steps that I've taken, no caffeine, no citrus, sleeping on my left side, no alcohol. Uh, so far, I'm one 100%, my throat hasn't hurt in the least.
8: Yeah, but I'm telling you that um, I had the same acid reflux called GERD.
0: And all I do is I take a Prilosec in the morning,
11: one pill in the morning, and I can drink gasoline and one reflux on I me. Mean. All
2: right. Well, you know, if it comes back, maybe I'll try that. But uh, so far, John, um, you know, I I am going to I am going to have an orange today. I decided this afternoon I'm going to go maybe this morning. I'm going to try and have uh, an orange to see how that works. But if it comes back, if I get that sore throat again, maybe I'll try that. Or, Or maybe I'll just go to a gastroenterologist and see what he says, which is what my doctor suggested. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Russell is in White Plains. Hello, Russell.
13: Hey, Frank. I would have liked to ask Gerald Salenti if he was going to be making money on ruble volatility because I think a lot of people made a lot of money there. You, have you been following what's going on with it?
2: No. I mean, I know the price of the ruble is, uh, is is going up and down wildly. Is that what you're talking about?
13: Yeah, well, it skyrocketed there for a while until Putin said, hey, you got to buy our oil only in rubles, and now it's gone... You know, the values increased to where it was, but just almost the same as before the invasion. That, I, I just wondered because he sounded like a gold trader, but he was a leftist, right? He's sort of a lefty. N-
2: uh, no, he calls himself a political atheist. Uh, so, oh. you know, and I know he's, um, you know, he's friendly with um, when he was in politics, he worked with Republicans. So I wouldn't what? characterize him as a lefty.
13: Well, I mean, maybe he's a Trump reform Republican. Yeah, I mean, that's, and again,
2: I don't I don't even know that he votes. I think he might be a political you know, atheist.
13: Yeah. Well, I mean, because I wanted to ask him the question about uh, about why the left is taken in by the vaccines and taken in by Ukraine. But, you know, I listened to Ra- Randy Rose. I called three times in the last couple of weeks and I and I saw when she put your face up there.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, I was happy for the publicity, I guess.
13: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I watch her on Dish TV, uh, channel 9415. I don't want to give her any publicity to say when. But, you know, she has family in Odessa. I finally figured it out, so she can't really be ac- accountable. She's biased. And you know what she said? I listened to the whole thing, and she totally yeah. left out the fact that Manafort said, oh, give them all the weapons and a no fly zone, anything they wanted. No,
2: exactly. I mean, if there was one person that was pro-Russia in that interview, it was me, not yep. Manafort.
13: Well, right, I know. So she wasn't listening to... She is totally blinded, but it's the same thing. That's why I want to ask him, why is the left totally taken in by this vaccine in Ukraine propaganda that we get?
2: Um, it's a far, fair question, Russell. Thank you. Ted is in Forest Hills. Hello, Ted.
13: Yes, uh, I have to
12: do a little research on um, this gentleman you had. The only thing I think is... The, we are full of enemies: China,
3: Russia. We better be armed to the teeth. And if war breaks out, I want a Yankee to be the winner.
2: Well, thank who you knows? So maybe you'll. Thank you, God Ted. Maybe it'll. Blessed. Maybe it'll be Aaron Judge, right? Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. By the way, I want to encourage you to listen to the latest edition of the Racket Report. What I did in this edition was I spoke with uh, Jeff Schumacher. He's the vice president of exhibits at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. If you have not yet been to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, it's really something. It's incredibly educational, and it's not a love letter to the mob at all. They uh, give a lot of tribute to law enforcement, etc. Here's uh, Jeff Schumacher and me in the latest edition of the Racket Report talking about the Mob Museum
8: as a police officer, I mean, you have to be, look, your eyes and ears have to be going at all times to understand what's going on in front of you. So you, first of all, so you, you protect people. And second of all, so you don't get yourself hurt. And you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting experience.
2: It, it, it really is. And one of the things that it gave me an even greater appreciation for, and I thought I understood this even before, but it's different experiencing it is how these police officers need to make a split second decision that could impact someone's life or death and their own life or death. And it really is uh, my sister in law and wife. They both participated in it with me. They talked about how their hearts were racing going through mm-hmm. this. It is very anxiety inducing. So, uh, you know, I wish Mike Garcia, who works in our podcast unit, would give me a summary of what clips he's selecting so that I could sort of set them up a little bit better rather than have you listen to them blindly. But what we were talking about there is if you go to the Mob Museum, they have police simulations, the very same police simulations that cops go through when they're training. You can go through them at the Mob Museum and you have to determine – when to shoot, when not to shoot—it's really something. Including, you know, there's one simulation with a real gun, and it's not real ammunition, but it's it's a real gun, and it's uh, it was really interesting. It's really quite an eye uh, an eye opener. I talked about it when I'd come back from Las Vegas last year, but uh, we we spoke about it again in the podcast. So if you haven't been to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas, I strongly recommend it. I really think it's something that you'll find educational and it's something that you um, – and if you can't listen – if you can't get there, listen to the podcast. Just uh, go find the Racket Report podcast at uh, wabcradio.com. That's wabcradio.com. You can also just search uh, the Racket Report on any podcast app, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcast, uh, Spotify, whatever the case may be. And I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe to it. Because the more subscribers we get, the more listeners we get, the better that is for us. And uh, while you're subscribing, even if you listen to this show live, I do hope you'll subscribe to the podcast of this radio show as well. Just search the other side of Midnight in any podcast app and um, hit the subscribe button. And if you could, it'll help us out a lot if you leave us a five-star review along with a nice comment uh, that helps more people find the show. If you're already a subscriber, if you've already left a nice review, and if you've already uh, left five stars, share it with a friend. Say, you know, um, you might like this podcast, and try and get them to listen to it as well. you would be doing us a big favor. You want to email me? You can do so, frank.morano at wabcradio.com. That's frank.morano at wabcradio.com. When we come back, two pieces of bad news. I'll tell you about it. Until then, your influence counts, so use it.
1: This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano.
2: This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. Well, um, how often have you heard me say that my favorite restaurant in Manhattan, at least Italian restaurant, is Forlini's? Um, as far as I'm concerned, there's no place like Forlini's. It is great. It's great. And not only is the food great, but its atmosphere is great. It's, it feels like stepping in to a time warp. And it's been around since 1956. I don't think it's changed much since 1956. I've been going there for 17 years. And when I was doing a TV show, when, when I was working downtown, I would go there almost every day for lunch. It was great. It's wonderful. I love the menu. I love everything about it. And I had planned to go there. Uh, I, I may take off on Good Friday, and uh, I had planned to make some plans with some family Thursday and Friday, and I was going to take my family and friends there on Holy Thursday. It's a great place. In fact, I met a listener there. Uh, I don't want to give her name, but she was kind enough when I was there with my friend, my wife, and my sister-in-law. She sent us a bottle of wine when I was way past the point of needing any more alcohol and I broke two glasses and my friend broke one and we spilled half this bottle of wine. The other half was quite good, though. It's a great restaurant. I absolutely love it. Unfortunately, I saw the news yesterday. In New York Eater dot com. And it was sent to me by about 100 people, no exaggeration. That Forlini's, one of Manhattan's last remaining red sauce joints that first opened in 1956, has officially closed. The owner, Joe Forlini, who I know, um, told New York Eater that the building that houses... The restaurant has also been sold. Earlier this week, uh, Forlini told Eater that the restaurant, which was located at 93 Baxter Street uh, near Walker Street, may close on April 18th or sooner. I like the idea of closing that Monday after Easter Sunday. So that means I can go there for Holy Thursday. Boy, that's going to be some bash I'm going to have if I can get there on uh, Holy Thursday. Um, so I'm going to try and get there Holy Thursday. This is just horrible. This is the worst news maybe not ever, but this is a piece of New York dying. Um I've never been to a restaurant that has a menu like Forlini's. The menu is incredible. Um They have like a bar section, and then they have an area with more formal dining. The food is great in both. Um, The Forlini's homemade pasta combination is to die for. Um, The gnocchi el pesto is my favorite. But whatever you get there is just great. And uh, the soups, I mean, there are not a lot of places that I go to, and I fantasize about the soup but my friend um, nick barbero who's involved with the gold shield which is his mission to stop veteran suicide check it out the gold uh, the simpletruth.us or the goldshield.us he introduced me to the bradetto soup which is cheese and egg dumplings and watercress it's amazing it's an amazing it is the best soup i've ever had but everything there is great the Forlini salad that they serve there. I've never had a salad like that. And then you ask them, what do you do to it? It's like my Aunt Camille again. Uh, what do you do to this egg salad? Oh, nothing. Just salt and pepper and a little mayonnaise. Yeah. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes, oh, that uh, the, the, the secret to the Forlini salad is just a little Parmesan cheese. There's so much more to it. So... I'm going to try and make a reservation there for Holy Thursday now now that, I know, now that I know it may not close until the Monday after Easter. Now, the reason I'm talking about this, aside from the fact that so often this show is a reflection of my stream of consciousness, is because this is a piece of New York dying. This is one of the few places, old school New York red sauce joints... And one of the few old-school New York restaurants left. So what I want to do is compile a list, with your help, of the remaining old-school restaurants. doesn't have to be New York. If it's Jersey, if it's Pennsylvania. And you know what I'm saying when I describe old-school. If you... Walk into it, you feel like you're walking into a time warp. That's what I'm looking for. Now, in the New York area, you got Michael's of Brooklyn. That's my favorite restaurant in Brooklyn. Uh, to some extent, Gargiulo's is like that in Coney Island to some extent. Arturo's, the pizza shop with the coal-fired pizza. That's an old-school joint. The Delmonico's, downtown. Totono's in Coney Island. WoHop in Chinatown. Hasn't changed in 80 years. What other old school restaurants are there that you've been to that are still open that I can go visit? Because I want to make like a an old school New York restaurant bucket list. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Um, an old school restaurant that's worth visiting could be Jersey could be wherever even if it's Virginia or Massachusetts wherever you're listening a a restaurant that's been around for say 70 years or more and let's say 60 years or more and hasn't changed in 60 years that's the same now as it was 40 years ago that you feel like you're walking into a time warp Rayos, for instance is one such place uh, the case, And it doesn't matter the cuisine, whatever kind of cuisine it is, uh, Jewish deli, Chinese, Italian, whatever. 800-848-9222. Keen's, the Steakhouse Keen's is a little bit like that. That's a little bit of a time warp feel. What do you got? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Coming up at 430, we're going to do the $1,000 Minute, give you a chance to win some money. And um I mean, I haven't mentioned yet the very sad news about Bruce Willis. Uh if time permits I will discuss that and uh some important developments that are developing on that front. Jeff is in Queens. Do You have an old school restaurant for me?
0: I do, sir. It might have closed down 20 years ago and then reopened. I did I did a search on it a few years back. I I forgot the results, but it was it's called El Faro in the West Village. You heard of it? El Faro? Right, Spanish restaurant it had to be around since, since the fifties. Where was it? Oh, I can't remember. The, you know, the west. I, it's been so long I even forget where. What, but you don't it, it, know if it's still it, open by, anymore. By, right, I remember reading they closed it, but then I think they reopened like two, ten years later. They managed to reopen it, so it might have been closed from ninety five to 05. That's a wild guess. Don't hold me to that. Yeah, okay. It was
2: on Greenwich Street, but it, yeah, it looks yeah, like yeah. it closed in twenty twelve.
8: Oh, there you go. You found it. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm looking oh, for places closed. that I can still go to, though.
8: I didn't realize they closed it,
0: Frank. I'm. Behind, I just all all the I know of. So. I hear. All
2: right. No okay. big. No big deal. No big deal. All good. 800-848-9222. Al's in Tenafly. What do you got for us, Al?
13: Yeah, a restaurant that was founded in eighteen seventy five called P.J. Clark's at the corner of East Fifty Fifth. And 3rd Avenue.
2: That's the original. I've been to that one. I I I've been to that one before. That's the original? That is the original. You know, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm looking for. Not necessarily the the chain PJ Clarks or the ones that branched no, out, not the but one the Yeah, the in, in the old-fashioned no. original. That's a good one. PJ Clarks is a good one. Chris in Brooklyn, what do you got for
13: me?
5: Hey, what's going on, bro? Good morning. Uh, I'm surprised you never heard
0: of uh Ferdinando's Focacheria, uh 151 Union Street in Brooklyn. It's Fer- a Sicilian restaurant.
2: Ferdinando's. And it's still there?
0: Yeah, I think it's over 100 years old, bro. You go in there, it's like walking in. It's all Boom. brick
8: walls and, and, and paintings and stuff like that.
2: This is, exact, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Thank you. Yeah. That's it's exactly totally what I'm looking
8: for. Totally mob joint. Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> I mean, who knows about that? But uh, well, I, I, I'm going to check it out. David in Brooklyn. Hello, David.
14: Hey, Frank, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, it's not Italian. Uh, Doesn't matter. Whatever
2: actually, cuisine it is, fine. Uh,
14: the Old Town on uh, East 19th Street in Manhattan. You know, I
2: have been to the Old Town. I love the Old Town. And that's exactly the kind of spot that I'm looking to make a list of. And, uh, and the food is
12: the food is really
2: good. It, what's your favorite thing to get there?
14: Um, the burgers are good. Burgers and, are good. Uh, and yeah. the ham and cheese sandwich.
2: Sandwiches. Sandwiches are where it's yeah. at. I don't know what they do to the sandwiches, but... You can make the same ingredients and at home. They don't taste like they do at the old town. I went there recently, and I had a grilled cheese sandwich, Munster cheese with mushroom. That's it. Simple as can be. This was probably the most delicious grilled cheese sandwich I've ever tried. It was amazing. 800-848-WABC. Kevin in the Bronx. What do you have for us, Kevin?
10: How about Dominic's on Arthur Avenue?
2: You know, I've never yeah. been to Dominic's. That's worth checking out, huh?
10: Yeah, definitely. Delicious food, but you got to bring cash.
2: I've been to some other places over there, and I have a lot of places over there that I like. Uh, I like Patsy's Rigoletto, um, a yeah. couple of other places that are over there that are really Mario's. good. Um, Mario's I've been to, but uh, I have not been to Dominic's. I will put it on my list. Thank you. Carlos in Brooklyn, what do you got for us?
3: I got two restaurants. I got one restaurant near the Williamsburg Bridge, uh, a Jewish restaurant called Gottlieb's,
5: which has traditional Jewish uh, meat food. Wonderful. And there's another restaurant in the Italian section of Williamsburg called the Frost
3: Restaurant, which is on Frost Street near uh, Bushwick Avenue. And And
5: they have one.
2: They're both still open.
5: They're both still open, as far as I know. I know the Frost Restaurant is open. I'm not sure about Gottlieb's, but the Frost
3: Restaurant is definitely open. And it's a great Italian, old-fashioned Italian restaurant.
12: And the service is good. The food is wonderful. The pasta, the fish, everything. The bread is incredible. And uh, it's a very popular
6: place.
2: I will check Um, it out. Thank you, Carlos. Rick in Tom's River, what do you got for
6: me? (laughs) Good morning, how are you? Good. This is in New York City, down by Macy's, in on thirty sixth street, in between fifth and sixth. Keynes Trap House been there since like eighteen eighty five. And you gotta take a look at Miss Yeah, no, take I care, I,
2: I, I mentioned Keens. I, I like Keens. They have the um the pipes and everything uh on the on, hanging on top. I like Keynes. That's exactly the kind of place that I'm looking for. Dave and Bayonne, what do you have for us?
0: Hi, Frank. Lake Italian restaurant. Jersey City, Greenville area. What? Well, what is it? Tell Avenue. me. Tell,
2: give it to me again. Lacos. L a i c o s. L a i c o s. And it's in Jersey City.
0: Right in the Greenville section, they make the screwdriver, vodka, and orange juice with fresh orange juice. Right. Really?
2: At and how old and of a place that's is it?
0: 1972. They've been around.
2: I'll check it out. I'll check when it you out.
0: in Lacos. A number of. Uh, queries will come up. It's a great Italian red
2: sauce joint. I will check it out. Thank you. Sounds great. Eric in Manhattan. What do you have for us?
3: Hey, Frank, uh, Bischoff's in Teaneck. It's like a diner slash, it's a, uh, they're known for the ice cream and cakes and stuff. Okay. And it's also like a, old okay. diner. it's great. It's been there since, since I was a kid and I'm almost 50, you know, uh, so, there was one old
2: school ice cream parlor in Woodbridge that I was at a couple times that I really liked. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was uh do not I I g I g I I don't I don't remember. But um mm-hmm. I don't remember it. Uh, but uh but I'll check that I'll check that one out. That's it's in, in T right. yep. Okay, thank you. Uh Victor and Hunts Point, what do you have for me? Hey, what's up, bud? Listen, have you ever heard of Joe's in Ridgewood, Ridgewood, Queens? No, I haven't. Tell me about it.
8: If you're driving up Forest Avenue uh, at the intersection of Gates and you blink, you'll miss it. But it's been there for my my girl's 51 years old, and she's been going there ever since she's been able to cross the street. It's an Italian hidden gem. If you're ever in Ridgewood or in the, in the Queens area, in that area, you got to stop by. It was owned by two brothers recently. One passed away, family-owned, operated, small joint, probably 20 tables. Have the Bronzino with the white sauce. Unbelievable. This place is phenomenal. Give
2: me the name again. It's Joe's it's in Ridgewood.
8: Joe's Restaurant. Joe's Restaurant
2: in Joe's Ridgewood. Restaurant, yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Ralph in Mayapak, what do you have?
8: Hey, Frank. Good morning. Uh, Bermonti's in Williamsburg.
2: Uh, there I have been. That is a great, great spot. I like that place. I also like uh, Marco Polo uh, in, in Park Slope, which that place reminds me of a, a, a little bit. Bermonti's is uh, is a great one. That's a great I one. Love,
10: love.
2: Me too. Steve in Brooklyn, what do you have?
8: Hey, Frank, John's of East 12th Street. You walk in there, you're going to be waiting for Salasso to get it in the head. It's <laughs> great place. Great place, great gnocchi, uh, right up your alley. I think you'd love it. East
2: 12th Street in Manhattan?
8: Yeah, right between 1st and 2nd, I believe.
2: I've never been there. Uh, John's, I'll check Street. it out.
8: The homemade gnocchi, they hand-roll all the gnocchi, great stuff.
2: All right, see, now this is, I'm liking this. I am feeling a lot better about four, I mean, I'm still sad that Forlini's is closing because that was like my place. You know, I felt like, uh, I felt at home there. I go there every day, knew everybody. And you never knew who you'd see lawyers, judges, cops, gangsters. And, um, now I'm liking this a lot, uh, because now at least th- there's some folks that will help me lick my wounds. Um, uh, Sean in Parkridge. Hello, Sean.
8: Hey, how you doing? Um, I got a great place for you. It's called Calandra's Bakery over in uh, Caldwell. I think in 1962, they opened up in Newark, New Jersey, but they're in Caldwell, New Jersey, and they make fresh bread every hour on the hour. It's amazing.
2: You know, I've heard about Calandra's for years, but I've never been there. I, I, uh, I'm i overdue for a visit there. You know, in terms of bakeries, another one that I like in Bayonne is um, They. I'm not a big donut person, but the sprinkled donuts from Jadikki's are the best donut I've ever had. Best donut I've ever had. Hank's in New Jersey.
13: Hello, Hank. Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. Sure,
2: thanks for
10: calling, Two, I have two,
13: two for you. If you like deli, you got Harold's in Edison, New Jersey. Sure, yep. It, you go in there, it's... Uh, the, the ambiance is okay, but the uh, you go in the back room, they got a thousand pictures of old New York that you like, and uh, nobody mentioned Peter Luger's. That's the you know I, I y- yes, it there. is
2: still open, and and shame on me. I absolutely should have mentioned Peter Luger's. Uh, that is a that is a good one. Uh, the, both good ones, Hank. Thank you very much, okay. Harold. I've been to uh, I've been to both. Those are both good ones. Mike in Oyster Bay. Hello.
5: Hey, uh, uh, try um, Frank. Try Carbone down in Thompson Street. It's great Italian food. It's all it's, it's just that old fashioned. Not too many tables. and pretty close together. Um, great food. And then try the veal. It's the best in the city.
2: <laughs> Carbone on Thompson Street. Put it on my list. Thank you, Mike. Joel is in Israel. Hello, Joel.
7: Hey, Frank. Wow, first time calling you. Uh, I'm a new fan. Wonderful. Hey, well, thanks. when did you start listening? <laughs> Honestly, uh, just uh, today. Wonderful. Great.
2: But Welcome aboard. In. Welcome yeah. aboard. Make it a Thanks. habit. Thanks. I'll, tune
7: I'll tune in more. Well, here in the Sea of Galilee region, we got the St. Peter's Fish, which goes back um, a million years to the times of the
13: Egyptians. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we
7: That's know fine. that man can't eat by bread alone. And I want to say that a lot of uh, pilgrims are coming back to the Holy Land. So I see many, many Americans here from New York around the Sea of Galilee. And a great restaurant would be. At the Magdala Church, and also around the other side of the lake, uh, Kibbutz Ein Gev, Kibbutz Ein um, Gev, Saint Peter's Fish, yes. Saint
2: Peter's Fish. All right, Joel, thank you. I'm not sure if I have plans to be in the Middle East soon, but if I am, I will put it. I will check check it out. Robert New Rochelle, what do you have for us?
7: Yes,
13: I have. Uh, it's
7: not the restaurant itself is not there a long time, but it's a train station, and they converted it into a restaurant. It's called Modern on the Rails. It's in Mamaroneck, New York. It sounds
2: great. Wait, where is it? It's in Mamaroneck. It, What's
7: it called? It, it's called Modern on the Rails.
2: Modern it's, on it, the Rails. The
7: Rails. I, yes. I, it's, I, it's a train station that's converted into a restaurant. It's beautiful. And the food is uh, pretty good. It's Italian. And you like it. The ambiance is very nice. Thank you. Marianne in Indiana.
5: Hi, Frank. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? Um
12: um our family has an Italian restaurant in Indianapolis
9: that's 100 years old. Oh, really?
2: 100 years old?
12: Yes. What's the name of it? It's called Iria's. I A R I A. It's like Maria
4: with an I.
2: I A R I A in Indianapolis. And uh do you do you still work? Do you work there? Uh no. My uh,
12: it's a four generation. Uh, my second cousins run it now.
2: Wow, that sounds that sounds yeah, like my, my kind of place. My grandparents founded it. It's a it's a Calabria, Italy. I Red love sauce. it. I, you know, I'm not sure when I'm going to be in Indiana, uh, but I'm definitely going to put this on my list. Marianne, how did you yeah, discover our, our show out in Indiana?
12: Uh, I listen to um, the app the wabc app
2: wonderful great
12: yeah I, i've been listening since
2: uh i missed great well we're happy to have you happy to have you listening thank you marianne jody in queens what do you have for us hey, I'm- Nobody ever mentioned Don Pepe. That, you know, you oh, you, you stole you stole the words out of the next words I was going to say when I saw you were in Queens was Don Pepe. Shame on me! You're exactly right. Don Pepe is a great one in Howard Beach, a f- great place. Love that. Yeah, it's place. actually it's
5: actually South Ozone Park. So uh, you know, for Ozo to me, for for yeah. a Staten
2: Islander, that's Howard Beach, almost.
5: <laughs> okay, buddy.
2: Thanks, Jody. Thank you, Kevin, in New Jersey. What do you have for us? I got a couple for you, Frank.
8: One is the Belmont Tavern. It's it's in it's on the North Belleville uh,
0: border on Bloomfield Ave. Famous Bloomfield Ave. It's a great old school
2: Italian restaurant. They got a,
0: a chicken savoy dish. is to die for. It's like world famous. It's amazing.
2: Belmont Tavern. Okay, I got it on the my Belmont list. Tavern.
0: And then there's an old Jewish deli in Newark. It's called Hobby. Classic old, it's great. I mean, you talk G- about. Give me.
2: How back. do you spell it? I've never heard of it.
0: It's it's H O B B Y S, just like you know, you're a ah, hobby, got hobby's belly. It. It's, in it's Newark, amazing
2: in, in Newark. Newark. Yes, I will check. Do they have seating there, or is it m- one of these um, takeout places?
0: No, no, it's a lot of seating. It's a big place. They they get a lot of like lawyers and police and cops and uh, firemen stuff for lunch. It's it's right downtown Newark. It's it's amazing, old school kind of. I mean, uh,
13: Jewish Deli. Great place.
2: The, uh, thank you, Kevin. You know, I got a message here from a friend of mine who said um, cops attending criminal court. He's a former police officer. Cops attending criminal court had the code name Part F for Forlini. That's pretty funny. And uh, he points out that Chef Vola in Atlantic City, Atlantic City is literally a step back in time. That's true. And Atlantic City has a few joints like that. Doc's Oyster House. Is another one, and the knife and fork, where my wife and I love to go. That's another one. Uh, that's one of the many things that's so great about Atlantic City is that you go on one block and they have the most modern restaurants, the most modern hotels, most modern casinos. Then you go to another block and they have a restaurant that looks the same and 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 sounds the same as it did a hundred years ago. That's what's so great about Atlantic City. That's what it is. Doug is in Montclair. Hello, Doug. Yeah. Hey, Frank.
0: I I want to I want to say uh, a, a couple things here. Um, there there was a place in West Orange uh, called Pal's Cabin, and when that closed down, I was devastated. So I understand what you're talking about, and about like I dream of it, you know. But it's gone. But uh, there's two places I want to tell you about. There's Steve's Sizzling Steaks. In Carlstadt, New Jersey. Wait, is
2: that near Hasbrook Heights? Um, I'm not sure. But okay. it,
7: it, it, it's near East Rutherford.
2: Right, okay. Yeah, we used to, I used to work not far from there, and I worked with a guy that loved that place. I don't think I ever got there, but Curtis told me it was one of the worst restaurants he's ever been to.
0: Oh, okay, so here's another one. John's Pizzeria.
2: Oh, well, John's is legendary. Pizzeria. Now, you're talking about John's on Bleecker? On, or on, Brian, yeah breaker. you can't go wrong with that one. I have yet to um order pizza from John's or or get pizza from John's and have everybody that I was with be anything short of blown away. It's funny. my buddy, and thank you, Doug. I don't want to make this too parochial because we do have listeners all over the country, but my buddy has a bar. It's called the Garrett, and it's really neat. um it's 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 a bar. But it's on top of a hamburger shop. Um, it's on top of a Five Guys. You have to, It's on Bleecker Street. Oh, you've been there. Right. So uh, it's my friend Kyle's place, and you have to go through the Five Guys to get to uh, the Garrett. So they don't serve food at the Garrett. So what I would do, and I, I'm not saying everybody can do this, but what I would do is I would order pizza from John's and have them deliver to the Garrett. And uh, forget about it. You want to be a hero, you walk into the garret with a pie from John's. I mean, really. Michael is in Westchester. Hello, Michael.
14: Good morning, Frank. I've got Patsy's in East Harlem, Katz's Deli, Manetta's Tavern.
2: Oh, Manetta's is a good one. I should have mentioned that one.
14: Oh, uh, one That's on my bucket list. Lexington Candy Shop on Lexington and 83rd. Yeah, that's like a 95. I haven't
2: old. I haven't been there either. That's a good one too.
14: And uh out of state, Murray's Steakhouse in Minnesota. Most ridiculous steak you could have. I think they marinated it in butter and they have uh this garlic bread. It's indescribable but worth seeking out.
8: Really?
2: All right. Thank you much. We'll do three more of these cuz I don't want to make everybody too hungry this early in the morning. James is in Brooklyn. Hello, James. You got me all fired up. Well let me hear. Give me give me your suggestions. James? All right. James uh fired up, so fired up he was distracted. Steve in New Jersey, what do you have for us?
8: Hey Frank, I got two for you.
2: Um have you ever found yourself down in the Irish pub in Atlantic City? Uh, are you kidding? I, I love the Irish place. pub. Nice. Now, the Irish pub is a great place. I go there every all the time. It's a big part of the Orange Loop. We've talked about it in a lot of our Atlantic City segments. I love that it's still open 24 hours. I love the owner, Kathy Burke. She's a great lady. I love the jukebox. Uh, I love that they still have rooms above the Irish pub that you can rent. I was trying to convince my wife to stay there, but... The rooms don't yeah. have their own bathroom so she'd have to like share a bathroom with everybody else staying there which she was not about. The food there is mediocre. It's bar food. It's standard yeah. bar food. It's more- But the vibe,
13: exactly. Yeah.
2: The vibe is great. And whenever they do last call at Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall or Rhythm and Spirits, I am running over, whether at 4 a.m., to the Irish pub. And uh, it's a great spot, whether it's 4 in the afternoon or 4 a.m.
7: And i got one more in
2: Atlantic City for you. Maturano's? Uh Yeah, you know, I, I didn't have the best experience at Martorano's the last time we went. Oh. I talked about it at the time. The food, though, is great. You can't take anything away from from the food. Uh, the mozzarella especially is just out of this world. We'll do two more, and then and then we'll move on. We've got to give away some money. Lauren in New Jersey, what do you have for us, Lauren?
7: Oh, uh, 1906, Barbetta on Restaurant Row.
2: Ah, uh-huh. I don't think I've been there. Um, Barbetta on restaurant row it's from uh,
7: 1906
2: had, uh, the oldest family-owned northern Italian restaurant in New York City you're kidding all right I will put that, yeah I will put that on my list Thank you Lauren and uh we'll end with uh Vince in Brooklyn. hello Vince Frank Vince can you hear me oh is this the Vincent? This is Vincent oh.
0: the got. You know, by Bye-bye. the way,
2: I've been trying to call you. We have the wrong address for you. I tried to send you mail. It came back to us.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah. Call
11: me.
2: G- well, I'm going to put you on hold after your call, and I'm going to have you give um, give your proper address to Philippe, and this way my, I'll, my, I'll satisfy my wife. Now, um, okay. y- you are an, an expert when it comes to old school food. You bring yeah. us food that I didn't even know they still make. I, I, it's not yeah, unusual right. for me to walk into the radio station and find lard bread with a note from you on it. And uh, y- if anybody knows this category, it's you. What do you have for us, Vincent? In-
0: Downtown Brooklyn on Union Street, Ferdinando's Focacharia, They still got sawdust on the floor. And then, I don't know if they told yeah. you earlier. Somebody
2: mentioned Ferdinando's, actually. I've never been there.
11: Oh, yeah. Well, you call me up, we'll go together. Right. And you bring your calm mind. you bring everybody. Now, also, Monty's on
0: Carroll Street in Brooklyn, and Fer, Fer, Fiorito, on 18th Avenue and 78th Street. They still got the red and white tablecloths, the mother and father, and the two sons.
2: Well, they Give me that again. Ending. That's Fiorito?
0: Fiorito. F-I-O-R-I-T-O. Uh, on
2: 18th Avenue and 78th.
0: 78th Street.
11: Mama and Boom. Papa and Great. the two sons.
2: Well, I'm so going to check it you. out. Thank you, Vincent. Stay,
11: stay strong.
2: Have I'm right. putting you on hold. Give your address to Philippe, if you would. Hang okay. Uh All right.
15: Now, made, uh, I'm too. How uh, am I going to continue I'm with the starving show? Now. I mean,
2: so
13: I'm
15: starving. Anne Camille's egg salad. I'm going to <laughs> read that. Um, did you, what was your review of the pizza today? I liked it, actually. Yeah. I had that uh, pineapple. I never had a pineapple Yeah, you pizza know what it is? It I, got,
2: I got one of these small uh, Hawaiian pizzas because I didn't think anybody would uh, would eat it, but almost the whole thing went. Yeah, I had a slice. It was good. So pineapples with, it was um, bacon and pineapple or ham and pineapple? Ham and pineapple. Ham and pineapple. Yeah. And you liked it? Yeah, I liked it. Did you try any of the other I kinds? had that and the white slice. The white. The white. Okay. I always like the there white. you go. Uh, but yes, we do have uh, some of Aunt Camille's egg salad, and your bread has been restored to its yes. rightful Yes, now I can get a sandwich. Absolutely. But it's funny. My Aunt Camille's egg salad, and you could see the video. I posted it on our YouTube page, on our, um, on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash MoranoFam. People watch the video. Like Glenn, one of our head salespeople here, said, I watched that video. That's exactly how I make egg salad. There's nothing special about that. And I said, Glenn, I know that's why I don't believe I don't want to call my Aunt Camille a liar, but I don't believe her that this is all she does. And I said, try some of this egg salad. And he's like, all right, I'll try. I'll try. He goes and um, get put, gets a spoonful of egg salad. And he said, she's lying to you. There's something else that she's doing here. Now, she maintain Now, she goes to church every day. She's the most honest person I know. I don't think she is lying, but I think she's lying. We are to the seventh caller to 800-848-WABC. We're going to give you an opportunity to win some money. Uh, If you want to have your chance at winning $1,000, you can be the seventh caller to 800-848-9222. If you are, then you will get uh, an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. And if you can do that, then you will be um, the proud recipient of $1,000. Go ahead and call right now. 800-848-9222. 848 wabc Uh, back in the New York groove um, by the one and only Ace Freely. Uh, well, this is a portion of the show that uh, I always look forward to because I always, you can really make someone's day if you play your cards right and if they play their cards right. It is time for us to play
1: The Other Side of Midnight presents. It's the thousand dollar minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. Let's meet today's
2: contestant, John in Rockland County. Hello, John.
12: How are you today, Frank?
2: I'm hanging in there. So, John, you familiar with this contest?
0: Yes, I'm on my way
7: home from work after working 12 hours so I listen to you either at one or at this
2: hour of the morning. Nice okay, great. What kind of work do you do John?
7: I'm a fleet mechanic.
2: Really? Really? Yes. That's great. You yes. know the mechanics are really um, some of the most almost the most important job there is because without mechanics, the whole world ceases to to exist.
12: Uh, yes, transportation ceases to
2: uh, exist. Right, or any kind of mechanic. I mean, you, you could yeah. have a room with the um, the Pope and the President in it, and um, all of a sudden the power goes out and there's no light and no electricity. Who's the most important person in the room? It's the mechanic that knows how to get the power back on. <laughs> back on. That's true. Um, all right, John. Uh, we'll, 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 you're familiar with the rules, so I won't waste time repeating mm-hmm. them. Uh, the timer will begin after I ask the first question. And um, okay. we're going to go try and go through all these quickly. So if you get a question right, I'm just going to okay. move on to the next one. You ready to go? Ready to go. How many days are there in a week? Seven. In what galaxy do we live? The Milky Way. What is the first letter of the Greek alphabet? Alpha. What is the capital of Thailand?
7: Uh, uh,
2: Bangkok. Who directed Jaws, Raiders of the Lost, Lost Ark, and E.T.?
7: Steven Spielberg.
2: Who is the anchor of the WABC early news at 5 a.m.? Uh, Frank Model. No. The anchor of the news oh. is Deb Valentine.
7: Ah, oh, darn it.
12: Okay.
2: You got to be listening to that, uh, John. Uh,
12: yes, I'm dead. Yes, I got me. <laughs> all
2: right, all right. A valiant effort. You were on a good pace too. Hey, uh, John, do you want tickets to see Tommy James and the Shandells or uh, the Rascals uh, In, at at Palladium Times Square? Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, don't do us any favors, John. All right. I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to put you on hold and give Philippe your information, and we'll give you okay. these tickets that you are begrudgingly taking. Um, all right. Well, if you do actually want the tickets to um, Tommy James and the Shondells or uh, the Rascals and uh, Mickey Dolenz, then uh, you can go to Ticketmaster.com. And if you use the promo code radio when you order, you can uh, get a special deal. I think you could save as much as 20%. These are brought to you by Baker Concert. Uh, you can also go to palladiumtimesquare.com for more information. Palladiumtimesquare.com. Uh Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com or palladiumtimesquare.com you got Tommy James and the Shondells performing on... May 7th, and you got the Rascals and Mickey Dolans of the Monkees performing on June 3rd. Before we run out of time, I wanted to mention this. So by now I'm sure you've heard about the very sad news about uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, so if you haven't heard about it, I, I mean, imagine almost everybody's heard about it. Bruce Willis, a great actor, and based on what everybody says, seems like a great guy he is suffering from uh, a disorder that is going to make him and i can't imagine this is my worst nightmare unable to speak and unable to understand language man is a young man only june 7th and he seems to be look he looks like he's in great health but um he's retiring from acting because of this now the last few years I talked about this a little bit when my friend Noel Ashman was here, but the last few years you've seen a bunch of Hollywood stars that let's say are not exactly in their prime right now but still have a lot of name recognition make these super low-budget films where people pay them, these indie film producers pay them maybe $2 million, $3 million for a day or two of work. And they're barely in the movie, but they market these movies all over the world as uh, Bruce Willis, with his name above the title, uh, or Robert De Niro. Meanwhile, they're barely in the movie, barely in the film. Uh, There was some interesting articles about this, but it's very prevalent. And so Bruce Willis is one of these guys over the last few years that has been making all of these super low-budget films. And he's probably been making millions. Probably made just 10 20 maybe even $30 million doing these terrible movies. So the Razzies, are you familiar with the Razzies or the Golden Raspberry Awards? What they did, if you're not familiar with them, it airs before the Oscars. And they honor the worst films the worst films of the year, the worst actors of the year. And it's interesting. Sometimes people are nominated for an Oscar the same year that they're nominated for a Razzie. So Bruce Willis has done so many of these terrible movies lately, these super low budget movies that he's barely in, that the Razzies, and this was before they knew he was sick or anything, they created a special category for him. The category they created was worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie. That's the category. And there was this is a satirical critique of the eight films that Bruce Willis released last year, all of which are apparently terrible. And ultimately, Bruce Willis won the Golden Raspberry Award for Cosmic Sin. So. Four days after um, his daughter, Bruce Willis's daughter, Rumor, posted on Instagram about her father's condition and the decision to step away from acting, um, the Golden Raspberry Awards, the co founders announced that they would rescind Willis's award in acknowledgement of the impact of Bruce Willis's disease on his on-screen performances and his cognitive and speech capabilities. Now, I think that's the right thing to do. It's like when I didn't realize that Mark Gastineau had Alzheimer's and I sort of made fun of him on the radio saying it's, I thought he called into Greg Kelly's show drunk when, you know, he probably wasn't drunk. He probably, you know, was something related to his condition. And immediately I apologized for saying that I thought he sounded drunk. The goal, this is the statement that these jerks put out. Now, this is a guy who's a father of several children and has a loving family. And this is what these idiots put out. These are truly sorry for Bruce Willis' diagnosed condition. Now, they could have ended it there. Instead, they say this. Perhaps this explains why he wanted to go out with a bang in 2021. Our best wishes to Bruce and his family, meaning they're saying this is why he put out so many ter- wanted to put out so many terrible movies in 2021 that they honored. Now, that is awful. That's an awful thing. And it did not go over well on Twitter. I think uh, Gary Witta, the screenwriter and journalist, spoke with a, for a lot of people when, when Gary Witta responded, seriously, go F yourselves. Now, my question is, the Razzies are meant to be fun, right? They're meant to be a humorous takedown of Hollywood's failures. And, you know, they have worst actor categories, and that's their intention. But, you know, their execution has become pretty controversial of late. Now it just seems mean. It used to be this good-natured poking fun at the films and performances that don't usually get recognized. Now it just seems totally mean-spirited. Why do you have to come down on everybody's work like this. If you don't like the movie, don't go see it. Tell people you don't like it. But I don't know. I, I'm sort of, the older I get, the more of a softy I become for all this stuff. I'm sort of thinking that maybe, and Salon.com has written about this as well. I'm sort of thinking that maybe it's time for the Razzies. They don't feel fun anymore. They just, It feels like you're a bully. Um. Maybe it's time for the Razzies to figure out how to update their formula. Or maybe just retire this whole concept altogether. I found this Bruce Willis comment reprehensible. Um, Maybe he wanted to go out with a bang. Found that really distasteful. 800-848-9222. I'd love to hear your talk on it, your your thoughts on it. 800-848-WABC. Frank is in Lodi. Hello, Frank.
0: Yeah, hey, how you doing,
2: Frank? Well, I'm making a living. How
0: you doing, Frank? Making, making a, a living. living okay. Yep. I heard when I before I left the house this morning, I heard that um it said that they were rescinding um that award to him because of his um his illness. But maybe that's not true. I don't know. No, they did. The they, thing, did they, they did. They
2: did and yeah. but then they tweeted that snide remark about how he's yeah. basically saying, "Oh, this disorder explains why he was such a terrible actor of late." Yeah, but see now,
0: I also heard a couple, three, couple of days ago now on one of the uh, you know news everywhere He made so many movies because when he was diagnosed, he knew he would come to a point where he couldn't make movies anymore. And he has a lot of children and stuff, and he wants to make sure his family is well taken care of. that That is why he made so many movies. So, even though he didn't get a real lot of money, he, he could put money
2: away and they'll be taken care of when he can't work anymore. Well, I, is, I'm that's an upstanding guy, yeah, 100%, 100%. When Ulysses S. Grant, um was dying of cancer, he did the same thing with his writings and uh, selling his memoirs. Uh, he did the same thing. He wanted to provide for his family. He knew what, he wasn't going to be around. Back in those days, there was no presidential pension or anything like that, and uh, was not a wealthy guy. And um, And he did the same thing. He started writing feverishly uh, to make sure that they they could pay the bills. And some of the writing he did was pretty magnificent. Thanks, Frank. Um, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in a minute.
15: I was going to say, Bruce Willis is worth $250 million. He never has to make another movie again in his life. Do we know that for a fact, though? I'm sure that's what it is. Think about it, with Die Hard, The Sixth Sense, you know, Unbreakable. It, yeah. He's made a lot of movies, I but he's have... also made a lot of good movies. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and if the Razzies was really supposed to be sort of fun, then why would they even rescind the award in the first place if it was supposed to just be fun? You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. I agree. I agree.
2: Uh, All right. We're going to do 15 seconds of fame in a minute. We have three open lines. People have been queuing up already. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.
1: Talk Radio 77. WABC.
2: This is the classic "Other Side of Midnight" theme by the one and only Andy B. Um, I think what we're going to do, because I do like the new one too, I think maybe what we'll do is we'll alternate every other day. We will go, um, we will go with the Andy B. Steve Gallo version. It strikes me as as fair. Uh, by the way, you know, excuse me, you want to listen to the Bernie and Sid show? Uh, coming up at 6. Bernie is off today. It's going to be Sid, and for at least three hours, our owner, John Katsimatidi. Call me up and ask questions about the radio station. You'll be able to call John up himself and ask questions. Uh, they have uh, a star started lineup. Uh, Rob Shooter is going to be on the show, and uh, there's going to be some other interesting things, I'm sure, that happens uh, on that particular program. So uh, tomorrow- today's a big day for me. I'm going to try some citrus, which I've been avoiding, but I do love. And then I think Saturday I may do my weekly cup of coffee. I was going to – unfortunately, a friend of mine's um, mother-in-law passed away, so I was going to go to the wake Saturday morning. I I might uh, treat myself to a cup of coffee, which I've been avoiding as well. And if I come in on Monday and I can't speak, you know why. It's the orange and the coffee. All right, without further ado, I said I would allow some extra time for this today because we had to rush through it yesterday because we had Wally Green here. How great was Wally Green, by the way? If you didn't get to hear that discussion, uh, check out the podcast. Just search the other side of Midnight. Uh, we posted the video as well. Uh, but um, he was really terrific. It is time for...
1: The other side of midnight, this is 15 Seconds of Fame. Say whatever you
2: like for 15 seconds, 800-848-WABC. Tom is in the Bronx. Hello.
5: I'd like to
7: say, read The Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CN.com. The Janine Machine by Richard Blasberg and Twisted Justice at CNN.com. Janine Pierce, a criminal frauder. Southern Indiana, New York City, to prison.
2: I wish I could give Razzies to callers. Fred and Yonkers.
8: Hey, Frank, good morning. Me and my buddies went to Bermuda for a golf outing. I was a little afraid of the Bermuda Triangle. After a round, I asked for a slice of key lime pie.
7: The waitress goes, we only got Pythagoras.
2: (laughs) Neil on Staten Island.
7: Yeah, our new DOT commissioner, Rodriguez, wants a car-free day in New York. So tell me, Frankie, when you bicycle in and out of work, How much is the toll on the vertical going
2: to be? Excellent question, Mike in Montclair. Hello,
10: Frank. Frank, if Hunter's laptop should turn up in your recycling, could you please return it to the authorities? Thank you.
2: Leo in Manhattan. Frank, I know it's your ethnic background,
9: but you're just Italian, 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 Italian. Try some German. A priest site, eighty-six and 2nd Avenue, 19-year-old classic Heidelberg
13: German restaurant.
2: I like German food. There's a great uh, German restaurant near me called Kilmeyer's. I love it. It's one of the oldest restaurants in the city. Russ and White Plains.
13: Why do you bring up the vacant building next to your house on Staten Island? Curtis has that guy, Junior, and his trusted dog, Rusty, lurking around. And the image is burned into my head of you grabbing onto that sapling.
3: Ross and uh, Victor in Manhattan. The most important line in the Honeymooners episodes was when Ralph told Wimpy Stanley that he's the king of the castle when Stanley was getting married. Stanley responded, I don't want to argue. And Norton responded, if you don't want to argue, then what do you getting married for?
2: <laughs> Tom in the Bronx.
12: Yeah, I'd like to say, if the city wants to
11: get a lot of
12: street people uh, who are homeless off the streets, the they've, they've, welfare department has to stop paying extra money to people to stay on the street, because that's what's going
2: on. David in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, the Russians are going to kick
12: our behinds. Tom in Brooklyn. are you doing? I read the set sex, drugs, drinking, and rock and roll are bad for your health. I had to give something up, so I gave up reading.
2: <laughs> Joe and Ron Conkerman. Come down to
8: Lakeland Fire Department tomorrow between 1 and 4 to support Jackie Napolitano, Ferno for school board, Kinequat school board. Thanks, Frank. Have a great weekend. Chris
2: in Mount Vernon. Yeah, yeah, you're the man. Pop, stop crying. Maribel, Christopher, Alessia, I love you. Thank you, Frank. Take care. And finally, Evelyn in Bayonne.
3: Hey, Frank, I second Laco's as a restaurant in Jersey City. That was my friend Dave from Bayonne. We talk about you anytime we bump into each other. It's all about
5: you and the other side of midnight. Thanks, Frank.
2: Thank you, Evelyn. That um, slams the lid on things for today and this week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, stay tuned for the WABC Early News with Deb Valentine. Hope you're listening, that uh, guy in Rockland County. And uh, Bernie and Sid with John Katzmatidis from 6 to 10. Have a great weekend.